Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I'm your host, Questlove. We have Tim Supreme in the house. We have uh, Lydia. How you doing out there? Doing Orange good. guys and all. Yes, yes, yes. Good? I'm still here. I'm, I'm not, still on, here. not on fire. Okay. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, we have Fontigolo. Right yeah, cooling, man. Cooling. It's, it's raining out here today. So, uh, we'll be oh, chilling, okay. though. And, uh, Sugar Steve. Greetings. Hello, everybody. Team Supreme. I love you. We love you back, Sugar Steve. <laughs> you said that like Michael Jackson. Like, <laughs> I love all my fans. That was a Sugar, sugar um, Network hello. I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, I will say that today is one of those, those, I guess you could say the special deep cut episodes of Quest Love Supreme, which we explore and dissect work and the history of some of our favorites who otherwise wouldn't receive uh, their flowers while here. And our guest is that person uh, in my book. His resume is extensive and legendary. I wrote down his resume because there's a lot of them. It's a lot. To Drake, to Tamar Braxton, to Faith Evans, to JoJo, to Ann Nesby. Eric Benet, Martha Walsh, Ursha, Layla Hathaway. Um, but, you know, it's, it's without no doubt that his work on the Bonafide Classic LP, uh, It's About Time by Sisters with Voices, SWV, <laughs> which he made his mark, creating hit after hit, classic after classic, John after John. I, in my opinion, Week is probably neck and neck uh, with Liv. Lift every voice and sing. As the black national anthem. Actually, I think Week edges it out because unlike Lift Every Voice and Sing, I know the bridge to Week by heart. <laughs> it's at least a sister right. anthem. It's at least that, right? Hey, you know. But yeah, what more can I say? Ladies and gentlemen, we've been waiting for this one. Please welcome to Quest Love Supreme. Mr. Brian Alexander Morgan. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love all you guys. Fans for life. Fans (laughs) forever. 
forget it. I'm huge, huge, huge <laughs> fans of everybody. So thank you. <laughs> so where are you right now, bro? <clears throat> where am I at right now? Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm at home? <laughs> okay. I, like, I don't know. East Coast, West Coast. Oh, New, like. oh, oh. oh. <laughs> LA, my bad. LA, uh, the valley, out here in the valley. Okay. You know, gotcha. you know, you know. Yeah, I think last time we uh, hung out, it was when you were in Sacramento. This was, ah. God, it was after, it was after the Foreign Exchange show and uh, Cy Smith. She was like, shout yeah, out. y'all, yeah, sh- big shout to Side man. Side knows everybody. And she yep. was like, yo, y'all want to go? Uh, Brandon's in the Morgan wants us to come by. I was like, word? <laughs> <laughs> like, hell yeah. So we went to crib. Yeah, that was, God, that was 10 years ago. That was like. Easy. And I was a huge fan of what you were doing then. Just loving it. Bro, Absolutely. I had no idea you knew who we were. When I, when I got to the crib, that's when I realized how much of a head you were. When oh, I man. went in your kitchen. And you had CDs in your cabinets where glasses <laughs> should be. Yes, yes, I say, yeah, he really bought that life. He bought yes, that life. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm a huge Little Brother fan, huge Roots fan. Black Thought, one of my, oh my God, we talk about pins. Oh my God, I've been from day one. I was a, I was a fan of Quest credits just from day one because he appreciate <laughs> because he appreciated credits. I caught it all. I was like, okay, there they, there yes, they go. Does. Man, look. Oh, thank you. That's real talk thank all you, day. And Yo, I, did we? I I believe did we not? I don't know if we met at our very first show. We had a show in Sacramento, like back in ninety four, ninety five. Yes, certain. Yes, yes, yes. I think I met you and Rafael Sadiq the same day at the very first and root man, show in and Sacramento. Y'all killed in there that nightclub, right? Yeah, I remember I, that. Okay, so I, d- bro, I do remember. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then I, I saw you like again. Me. Next time I saw you again was years later, and I had on that Donny Hathaway joint, that Donny Hathaway shirt. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. All good. Okay, I, d- I know that you. Well, your home base was kind of Sacramento, but yes. <clears throat> um, you were born in all places, Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> Describe growing up in Wichita. How long did you stay there before? Wow. Man, you know what? Wichita is some of the hottest talent you'll never hear, is what I like to say. Because when you're there, it seems impossible to be on joint, at least back then, not now, because mm-hmm. you can do anything on the, on the internet now. But when I was there, mm-hmm. listen, Charlie Wilson, um, Roger, Zap, all that Midwest funk, all that stuff is the holy grail because we perceive them as people who got out of the Midwest. Like, okay, even Babyface mm. and all that stuff from Cincinnati, Cleveland. Pick a thing. It's Rude Boys. There's always that Midwest funk. Shirley Murdoch. Uh, and plus, you go way back, you know, of course, Ohio players. Ohio and players, yeah. Games. And so there's always been this element of whoever makes it out of there, we feel like, oh, they, the gods made it out. For example, Charlie himself, Gap Band, they had been struggling for years before that before they finally broke through. So I feel like me being from Wichita, it, I was just another one in that long line of, oh my God, he made it out. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the music environment like? And like, what's your first musical memory from your childhood? Oh, man, I, I can tell you that right off the top. Michael Jackson, of course. The, pre- the purity of Michael's voice on I Want You Back, ABC, I'll Be There, uh, Touch Me, Beyond, Beyond, right? And then you add Stevie Wonder to that. And, and the progressive stuff he was doing on those keys really got me. I wasn't playing yet. I didn't start playing until I was like 10 in 1976. Oh, wow. but, but between 70 and 75, man, it was Stevie, 
Donny Hathaway, Michael Jackson. Those were the three voices that really changed my life. Now, later on in the late 70s, it was the Clark sisters. That that changed everything. That turned, that was a paradigm shift. From in 79 with Is My Living in Vain, everything changed again. But I don't want to get ahead okay. of myself. I can tell what no, I can tell by how you stack your harmonies. I can, I can see that influence in there. <laughs> you, hear, that in there. you hear that? Yeah, no doubt. I hear that. So, yeah, are are you from a musical family or like? Let me give it up to my pops. He made a record when I was like two in '68, and I, and it's a forty-five quest, and I still have it. And and me and my my dad is the only one left. My mom's gone. My sister's gone. Rest in peace. But my father mm-hmm. and I are, are. He thought he was Jimi Hendrix back when Jimi was you know the shit. So. <laughs> I grew up in a house that was, he was playing not only the Sly and the Family Stone stuff and the, and the funk stuff, but he was also playing Hendrix and Santana and all those rock joints. He loved Led Zeppelin. So I, I'm a truly amalgamation of, oh. of all of that, bro. All of it. My dad thought he was Jimmy, seriously, with the fringe, wearing <laughs> the fringe. We had beads in the house and, you know, he, he, it was that. <laughs> oh, beads before you enter the room? Yes, yes sir. <laughs> I thought it was the only black. <laughs> no, nah, we, we had them too. We had beads. No. Yeah, yes, <laughs> you already know. You already know. 70s beats. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, but my dad was a guitar player, man. And that's the only musician that I ever saw first in my life was a guitar player. And he had rehearsals at the house, too. That also was mind-blowing to hear musicians play in your house. And your house is only a two-bedroom house. So it was very, very impactful to a little me. What did your folks do um, What for a living? My crazy, crazy thing. Another thing I got from my dad, reading reading my dad worked as a librarian at a at a huge big metropolitan uh, library in wichita like the biggest in the city and he drove wow. a bookmobile That's to the so hood cool. to the hood giving <laughs> books like letting black kids come read oh. in the bookmobile so that was a huge influence on me as well so you're Wait, well read the book. i've heard i've seen that on television so was that like the book version of the ice cream man totally yep. just drive <laughs> totally. to the hood Drive books to the hood. And you know what's crazy? Like, I don't think you could do that now. <laughs> like, it would be like, people would be like, what the hell? But no, it bring was. Bring the book man, the fruit man and the book man back. <laughs> back. Bring it back, bro. And you know what? And thank God for get it. Get your Huckleberry Finn. No. <laughs> oh, oh, or, get, or get your Malcolm yeah. X. Yeah, get your Elin Harris. Yes, that's it. Back to the influence. My mom, though, what she did, she was just a secretary at a, at a construction place, but it was her church going that was the diff- where my mom and dad converged. My dad was absolutely not religious and all about African this, African that. My mom was completely Jesus, Jesus, all church, all the time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> opposites connect. Okay. And you didn't, you didn't like sing in the church or play in the church oh, or none of that? I, of course I did. Of course oh, I did. Had, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's, the, that's the training right there, the beginning. But now I got to keep it 100 because everybody listen, I got to keep it 100. I grew up Baptist. And so it was all about Andre Crouch and, and uh, mm-hmm. James Cleveland and the, yeah, Hawkins, the Hawkins, Hawkins, yes, which we love. But check this. It was when I went to the Kojic church for the first time, right? And heard that Clark sister stuff. Yeah. <laughs> heard, you know, heard that little swag on the keys and the organ. And, you know, drummers was really, really drumming. I was yeah. like, oh. So I kind of switched over a little bit. Well, time out. Explain that to me. So what's the difference in... You're saying in Baptist church, it was just very traditional. Yes. Meat and potatoes, gospel. Boom. Yep. Yep. And you were allowed to be more 
So is this a non-denominational church, or what was the second church? No, 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 no. The Church of God in Christ. Church of God in Christ, yeah. Known as the Kojic Church, or Pentecostal. Um, they, They had a history of literally trying to play records that sounded like, you know, the streets. For, for for lack of a better word, that, okay. okay. I have an yeah. I have an obsession with collecting next to Jamaican music. Um, I have a really large collection of like early eighties gospel gospel acts trying to turn secular songs into <laughs> gospel joints. Like I got it second time around by Shalomar. I That's got, hilarious! Oh my I god! Got, yeah, I have so much. I'm gonna do it on my DJ sets one night. Like just do it, bro. Listen, know, upside down by. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Oh, dude, I, I, all I do is collect, like, really bad cover songs and gospel secularizing songs Amazing. into Christian. There's a really good one for the Jacksons, Can You Feel It? But, yeah, it's like... Wow. Let me give you another uh, another thing about that particular subject. There were certain producers at the time that were capturing it, though. They were really nailing it. Like, this guy, I got to give him mad props, Bill Maxwell. He used to produce okay. the Andre Crouch records. Them joints sounded like Earth, Wind, and Fire productions. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. pristine, ridiculous, mm-hmm. funky, punchy mixes. And I was as a kid, you know, like the late seventies, me, thirteen year old me. I was thirteen and seventy nine. That's when I started paying attention to mixing and and the production. So you talk about yeah. off the off the wall was out at the time. Um, right. So and is my living in vain came out at that time. Stevie hit his stride with uh, Hotter Than July eighty. So a lot of things mm-hmm. was happening in that mixing part. So my very first time in the studio making my own record was like 81 and it was gospel. But of course I was trying to do what was in the streets too. So I did a joint. It sounded like Cheryl Lynn's got to be real. Think it didn't? <laughs> really? <laughs> Hell yeah. Absolutely. You got to copy that joint. I need that. I need oh, that. That's insane. Yeah, I'll get you that. And I got a lot of gospel right. stuff that we did in that era. Uh, but trust me when I tell you, it was, it was, it was from a good Reference point, Thomas Whitfield in Detroit, production, pristine on, on Vanessa Bell Armstrong. Uh, mm-hmm. by, the time, by the time Commission came out in 85. Out of Hammond, I was going to yeah. say, can you explain? All right, so here's the deal. I yeah. grew up, like, my era of musicianship, especially with all the cats that I encountered uh, in my age range, um, take all the jazz cats out. So those mm-hmm. who were non-jazz cats, you were either a prince head or you were commissioned head. Aha. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, every cat I know now that's deep on gospel chops. Mm. Commission is their foundation. Can you explain to me like a majority of R&B musicians first generation from like 1990 mm-hmm. to like eh, 2001, 2002? What what is the obsession with commission? Like, what was it about them that just grabbed? Was that like the closest y'all could get to secular music that mom and dad would allow in the house or whatever? Like, or live? Were they just some next level craziness? Great question. I can answer it like this. For me, speaking for my generation, literally coming from like I said, the Hawkins and Andre and those guys in the late seventies into the 80s when drum machine became a thing production literally changed because of prince right so commission mm-hmm. now remember all we had before that was the whinings yep. with, with voices like that and they were incredible mm-hmm. and again but you're still talking live band that's bill maxwell again same producer 
Same producer as Andre Crouch. That one guy gave us all those brilliant Andre Crouch records and all those brilliant Winings, Winings records prior to Quincy signing them, okay? So that production standard and that whole um, vibe came right into the 80s with drum machines and, and all the stuff that we grew up on Quest. So like, what happened was when we first heard Fred Hammond's voice, we likened it. We likened it to the Winans, you know, that big, powerful voice mm. coming like from Marvin Winans. But we had never heard it from such a young person prior mm. to Johnny, besides Johnny Gill. You know that. You know what I mean? Where somebody, <laughs> right? You mm-hmm. feel me? And shout out to Johnny. That's my guy. But um, Fred, oh, so Hammond, Fred was a young boy in commission back in back in yes, eighty five. See, the Fred Hammond I know is Uncle Fred Hammond. No, like, no, eighty five. The okay. very first album. Get get familiar with all of their whole catalog because what happened okay. was it changed our lives. But what they did that I liked about them was that they not only had the gospel chops, but they had a David Foster flavor all through their whole mix. Like, and I'm not joking. I'm talking about the so Chicago. Yamaha DX7. Yeah, all day. You know that, you know that, you know that. But, but look, but with the chops, but with the chops of a, of a You're My Inspiration by Chicago. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, right, yeah. So, so that was the difference between the Winans and Commission. Commission gave you that, those kind of melodies. That wasn't that way with Tomorrow with the Winans? Uh, that was later. Well, no, oh, okay. they, were, they were on it, but they weren't young. <laughs> okay. You feel me? So, <laughs> right. so, they it, so Commission was young. I get it. Okay. And that changed it because when they saw young people doing it, I went to their show so I could see the audience change. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it went from older people vibing on the Winans and the Hawkins and the Clark and the um, all that to boom, young kids that would have been otherwise in a club at a hip hop thing are all of a sudden at a commission. They was thing. jamming commission. Yeah. That's right. And so, but now, but they got hip though. So Tremaine Hawkins and them got hip. Clark sisters got hip. Everybody got hip and was like, yo, they start doing stuff that they could play. Fall down on Tremaine is a direct result of that. Mm. In 85. That's right. That's right. Oh, uh, me. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's right, right? And But the, because they got hit to the kids was picking it up and they would put it in the club. And you, you brought the sunshine was the biggest, biggest, biggest joint yeah. of, of that type of right. thing. But that was just following Stevie. But I'm saying as far as really young people, commission is the paradigm shift is what I want to say, Question. Y'all got me downloading a bunch of gospel. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, it's a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, there was some gospel in my crib, like, and I see what you're saying. Uh, Andre Crouch's "Perfect Peace" is a great example. Good record of that. Of that, uh, yeah. Of 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 that. And I, I think my dad had the the Hawkins Family album, which Maurice White Ooh. actually did the first song with them, or something like that. So they got joints, bro. They got joints. Holy one. Have you heard Tremaine's "Holy One"? Oh my goodness! You got this I have certain... the first album. I have mm. a very the first album with the. Uh, Look at me. Oh, Christ look at me. me. Okay, yeah. Holy One is on there. Is that Okay, on there? yeah, I know that whole album left and right. My parents went through Man. a really weird Christian phase for like a good four <laughs> years. So, <laughs> yeah. Dope. Dope. Yeah, for every Prince album that got broken, I had to, you know, be uh, exercised with a Tremaine Hawkins record. So I got you. Stick a pin in this. When I got to Sacramento, because I'm jumping, I'm not jumping ahead to my Sacramento and how I got there, but when I got there, one of the first people that I got to meet was Fred Hammond and Mitchell Jones from Commission because Wayman Tisdale was a Sacramento King and also an incredible musician. And I yeah, was like, he was yeah, he had albums, yeah. Bro, Wayman, yeah. Tisdale they was, was they an was, athlete. They was coming he played to his bass house. too, right? Yeah. I thought he actually him as a musician. Yeah. yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. He was definitely a major athlete. Um, and came out of Oklahoma. 
So we had the gap connect, Charlie connect. But trust me when I tell you, all those people came through Amos' house and I met mm. them over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just want to tie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what was your, what was your, what was the first concert you ever attended when you were in? Uh, That's a great question. Oh, man. The, the most significant one would have to be the Victory Tour opening day in, in, uh, in, uh, wow. in Kansas City. You were there, too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, you, went, to, you went to the opening night? Opening night. the striped pants? Absolutely. Yes. You striped pants night. <laughs> I was the third. Well, the Democrat, I believe the Democratic Convention was uh, also in Kansas for that period, and you know, I did enough begging, but my my dad and my mom and I like that's amazing, a, amazing. I went to the third night. Were you by yourself? By like by yourself? No, my mom, my dad, my sister. My my dad. Uh, this is one of the times where like one of his brain haired schemes worked, which mm. was he was like, "We're gonna scalp the scalpers." And I was like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> He's like, "We're gonna wait five minutes into the show. See, so you got to be on immense faith to that leave West faith. Philadelphia." Drive all the way to Kansas City. Wow! And we're just sitting in that, you know. And I'm I'm 12, man. So I'm, I'm my nerves are all, you know. Yeah. He's like, I ain't paying no thirty dollars for no ticket, but I bet you I'll get him down wow. to ten. I bet and you he did. Wow. Down and about two minutes before the show, bam! Wow! We got Amazing. we got we man. got four victory tour tickets for ten bucks. My he was the original. He was the original StubHub. Look, <laughs> <laughs> damn! Straight up, straight up, yo, that's crazy. And guess what? There's some footage somewhere floating around of Mary Hart from Entertainment Tonight interviewed my ass. What? <laughs> Nobody said her name in a minute. Respect sure Mary Hart. Uh, no, Mary they Hart. said her name and it's not good. Cancel too. Nice about what they said. She out of here. Shut up. Are you? Oh, bro. I wanted to be her when I was. Hey man, you, you got to choose a side right now. Yeah, yeah, that's choosing these sides, right up. bro. That's I did not know that. You guys are hipping me to some. I did not know that. And wow. yo, I love her, and I love so her Lisa husband. Gibbons. All right. Yeah, Please. yeah. Go to Lisa Gibbons. Who's her husband? Wow. Crazy. Okay, too much. Wow. Okay. So, what was it, like in what was your your band situation or your like mm. your your high school situation like? Were you in any local bands at the time or? Yes, and you know like, what? what was your development moment that brought you to musicianship? Totally crazy. Okay, so starting in the church, I saw this thirteen year old little girl playing keys. It was the pastor's daughter. That was my first. Wow, a young person can do this. So that was huge for me to see her doing that. And then when they added drums at our church, it took us, took them a while to let the, let them do that because they were so conservative. But once they did that, my mom, <laughs> look, my mom was the church secretary. So peep this. So the drummer would always leave his drums at the church. So when my mom would go to do the secretary stuff in the, on Saturdays, I would go with her just to jump on that dude's drums. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I started out drumming before I could play keys. And wow. then, and that changed my whole life because I was like, man, drumming is like the thing. I thought that's what I thought I was going to be doing. But then I kept getting on those keys trying to, you know, how you pick out melodies and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I got better and better at picking out melodies. You know, I was like, man, maybe I'm supposed to play. So I just started listening. And then I got embarrassed by better players than me. And I was like, whoa, I'm nowhere near. I got to get my, you know, step my game up. These cats are playing mm -hmm. Herbie Hancock. I'm in here playing soon and very soon. What the hell? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yo, it's, it's good to know that I thought I was the only one that went through that that whole thing. Like, there was a period, maybe like two months, where I drummed in my local church. Uh-huh. But, you know, I was trying to play funk rhythms and whatnot. And they, oh, they yes. actually had to have a meeting 
on whether or not my playing was uplifting the Lord or like that's oh, how strict they were. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So, because the thing was, when I would play all the, you know, they'd be like, oh, like I try to play like <laughs> Suffering Seas by Peter Piper, like a, a popular breakbeat inside the music. I love it. And it's like the kids knew, so they started doing the whopping and everything yeah. in church. <laughs> the deacon's like, sit down. So look, look, and see, and hence that's why I left the particular church I was at. And I went to play for a Kojic church. And when I got to the Kojic church, I had my full on keyboard and drum machine in that bad boy. When we play You Brought the Sunshine, it sounded like You Brought the Sunshine. <laughs> wow. Wow. You, you feel me? So, wow. And then all my commission stuff, I programmed it the night before Quest, programmed all the beats and, and feels and crashes and everything. And so, I, when I play, <laughs> so when I played a commission joint, it sounded like the record. Yeah, what was your weapon of choice? What were you Absolutely using? Absolutely a Lindrum all day. Wow. You got a Lindrum that early? I got a Lindrum, and as soon as it came out, it was a, I got it in 83. I think it was 83. They are. They had one. They had one out in '82, but I, I, it was in California. My friends had it. I heard about it, but but I got one in '83. Yeah. Damn, how many lawns did you have to mow to get that? You know, Damn. it's crazy. Listen, this is the good news about how the, my development happened in Wichita. There was this white guy named John Miller. John Miller owned what would be the equivalent of the, of the Guitar Center in a major okay. city. Okay. He had his own music store like that. So he had all the new keyboards, all the new drum machines earlier than everybody. Right. And so, but he also had a recording studio, a 16 track recording studio. So this is what Man. happened. So he said, I used to go in there and just play on all his gear because of course, you know, being broke, poor, that's where I got a chance to play. So the, the people, especially the white people that would come, and this is Kansas. So the white people that would come in there and hear me playing on stuff would ask, you know, what my name was, what am I doing? So John got hip. He's like, yo, you know what? I got a studio I want to promote. And if you come in there, I'll give you free studio time if you can go in there and do some work. I did a demo in there, bro. That gospel demo was the demo that got me my record deal on Warner Brothers. Wow. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That demo I did in that studio got me the record deal that Benny Medina signed me to in 87. I did it in wow. 85. Yeah, I did it in 85, 86. By 87, Jay King came through Wichita, Kansas, and heard that demo. Man, and I cannot wait to hear your Jay King story. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for some Jay King, you know. Yes, let's we've go. Heard Dick Griffey yeah, stories, so we gotta we've get heard Dick Griffey stories. We've heard joke stories. Boy, oh, y'all talk J. King. So this is uh to give people some context. So this is okay. Timex Social Club, yes. uh, Club uh, Club Nouveau. Like, yes, so man. this is that guy. So eventually Tony, 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 and absolutely all that. Foster and Miguel Roy. Yes, right. He came from all that. Okay, and that's my people. So how did I get from Wichita to Sacramento? Just that way. A friend of mine named Steve Williams. I gotta shout out my boy Steve Williams because Steve Williams was the person who was the biggest Club Nouveau fan I ever met in my life, like a full-on stand, right? And of course, I was arrogant. Uh, I'm snooty nose, Fred Hammond, Clark Sisters guy. I don't, them people can't sing. What are you oh, talking pop about? Music, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was very. I was a Quest love, very snob situation. Like, because I know Quest, <laughs> Quest can snob out. But you didn't think Samuel yeah. had that voice it's like that? Nah, bro. I'm talking like when I'm talking singing, we're talking about okay. the, the, the female, singing, yeah. the female in the group. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so look. So oh, come on. So, but I'm not, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying I was just that that arrogant guy. You feel me? So yeah. I wasn't even paying no attention to no freaking Club Nouveau at that time. Um, now and rumors, I thought that was a joke. I was like, is that a is that wow. like a joke? I thought somebody a novelty like, record. Yeah. 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 
talking about how do rumor get? I was like, okay, what is that? Eddie Murphy? What the fuck is this? It so, wasn't yeah. a joke. And then no, it was because then because if you remember, uh, roaches, roaches. Paul made yeah, roaches. Look at all these roaches. roaches. Yeah, surrounded. Yeah. <laughs> that was the joke. But long story <laughs> short, the guys that put that put that record out was Jay King. He put that right. out on label, and that joint blew the hell up and went pop. And they was on all of a sudden they were on tour with Run DMC and motherfucking Beastie Boys. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> when that happened. I was like, wow, this is a real record, right? Never thought nothing else about it. That was 1986. Uh, and I still got my gospel demo. We're trying to get signed to A&M Records. My, we had a little manager, and they was trying to get us signed to A&M because John McClain, John McClain who yeah. signed Janet, had just done the Fall Down record on Tremaine. What you mean, right. So right. We, we thought, hey, we could. it was me. And when I say we, it was a group called Cache. Dave Wah, that I was in. It was How do you spell it for Fonte? How do you spell Dave it? Dave Wah? <laughs> what? what? That's, like a, that's like a light green drink right there. Wait, <laughs> right, Cache right. Dave Wah. I'm going to need you to and spell it's, and define. Spell it, this, George. Spell it. And spell it's right. hypnotic. I know okay. hypnotic is a part of it. it has <laughs> Cache Dave Wah. Listen, I was trying to be all in the, since J. King found me and signed me, I was trying to be all in the French thing, Club Nouveau, and you know. Right, right. Like, so I just said that stupid shit. It just, it just meant, right, right, right. It just meant a unique voice, supposedly. And it was spelled C-A-C-H-E-T-D-E-V-O-I-S. Oh, wow. wow. With an S. Oh, wow. Like, like W-V-D-Bois. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, yes, well, I sir. love my niggas. And you That's know what? Shout out to my girl, Lachelle Matheny, who I grew up with. It's my homegirl from Wichita. She was in that group with me. And rest in peace to James Williams, who was also in that group. He passed away. That, but guess what? Jake One just sampled some something from that very album only last year. That unreleased, wow. that unreleased Warner Brothers album. You know, can you feel me? Like people find, they, they find stuff, bro. Wow. That's so dope, man. Ain't that crazy? But anyway, long story. So back to J. King. Okay, so J. King uh, blows up with Timex Social Club, they fall right. out. And then the only thing left is Denny and Tommy and, and, uh, and Jay King. And then he puts in Samuel and Val. That becomes Club Nouveau. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So now I'm still in Wichita. My first visit to LA was trying to get signed to A&M with John McClain. John was actually interested and we thought we had a deal on the table. So I'm kind of a little, feeling a little cocky and thinking that, oh, John McClain said he's, he's, he's interested. So when I get back to Wichita and I'm just in this in-between time, my friend Steve, the, the Club Nouveau stand, calls me from J. King's hotel room late, like two in the morning, something crazy. And he calls me, and I'm still living with my mom. So she's like, who in the hell? So I answer the phone. Steve, his name is Steve Williams. Steve goes, hey, you got to get down here. I'll let J. King hear your demo, that same gospel demo. And then J. King snatches the phone and be like, come get this motherfucker. He's fucking up my pussy, but I do need you to let me, but I do need to let you, to let me take this tape. I said, and I was like, whoa, I don't know, bro. And the only thing I had seen was bad press about mm, them fighting. About him, yes. Right? With, right. Ti- with Timex, Social Club. Yes, yes. So, listen, let me you, tell you something. You listen to Radio Scope, obviously. And I read Black... <laughs> and I read Black Scope. Wow, Scope. Radio Scope. No, oh, Lee, Lee would always Lee interview... Lee Bailey, right? Lee, Lee Bailey. Bailey yep, would always Lee interview Bailey. the lead singer Timex Social Club who would, like, <laughs> just throw J. King under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so, look... Worse than that, though, I would read, like, Black Beat and, you know... Black Beat, right, right, right on right. and shit, right, right? Come on, man. So, look. Yes. So, But here's the thing that changed my mind talking to him. 
I saw an image, and my, the TV was on random. It sounds like I'm making it up, but it's not. It's true. Joan Rivers had her first show on Fox, and she had a little mm-hmm. talk show. Mm-hmm. I'd be damned when that shit played on repeats in Wichita. There's Joan Rivers talking to Jay King in Club Nouveau with, and handing them a gold album. Wow. I was like, uh, whoa. Now, do I want to stay here at my mama's house, or do I want to <laughs> worry about whether Jay is a crook or not, right? And so I said, man, let it, take the tape, bro. Take the tape. And he, said, and he said this to me, and he made a promise to me. He said, bro, I promise you I'll have you a record deal in two weeks. This, this tape is phenomenal. Benny Medina is going to love it. And you're going to be, be ready to leave Wichita and move to Sacramento, which is where he lived at the time. And this is 1987. He absolutely, I was washing dishes one day, phone rang, picked up that thing on, you know, old school phone off the wall, put it on my shoulder, mm-hmm. kept washing the dishes. Jay King said, you ready to leave? I said, well, who is this? This Jay, man. Get to get to pay your mama's bills. You're moving to Sacramento. You guys are signing wow. the Warner Brothers. That's how I got in the record business. Wow. Yikes. The, now, the, the cat, Sam, you mentioned Samuel that was in that group. Was that the same Samuel? The, so you like what you see, Samuel? Absolutely. With the program? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For sure. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was the Club Nouveau part of it. When I got to SAC, I met all of those dudes. They were still recording. Tony, Tony, Tony hadn't happened yet. Um, and the, Where, and, yeah. Can you answer this for me? Where yeah. the hell is Tommy and Denny right now? I talk to them. I talk to them all the time. Tommy follows me on on, on Instagram, and Denny is out here. He, I think he's managing Dim Joints, the producer. Oh wow, Dim Joints! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Denzel's my, the, my folks. Yeah, and we're talking about for content. We're talking about uh, T- Denzel, uh, Thomas McElroy, and Denzel Foster. That's uh, right. Producers, producers for Bold. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So I mean, that's okay, so a, you get to Sacramento. I get to Sacramento. And this is your first time in California ever? No, no, that was my second time because I had just been in LA trying to meet with John McClain the year before in 86, okay. in 86, right? How uh, did that fall through? Or it was just like quick it, meeting and it, nothing nope, happened? It or? fell through because this is my only Dick Griffey tie ever in my whole life. It fell through yeah. because the guy that we thought was our manager was a crook and he had been doing business with said Dick Griffey and some kind of international shipping weird something. He went to jail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And when he went to jail, we had to go back to Kansas. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the J. King coming through was a, a literal savior of my yeah, life. That was, that was a lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yo, is J. King from Sacramento? He's yeah. from, he actually is from Sacramento. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, yo, what are? Have y'all noticed that no one, no black artist not born in the in the 60s that gets to our show? It's like they cannot even get to California without running to either Lonnie Simmons <laughs> or Dick Griffey <laughs> or, yeah. or Jay yeah, King like, or, or now Jay King. Like it's completely no, but or, that's the, uh, thing. But the good side of that story is also Clarence Avant. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you're gonna get you're gonna run into four people. <laughs> hey, but well, that's your that journey. Says that to, says a lot about them, though. Don't to it? success <laughs> <laughs> or or epic failure, one or the other. <laughs> oh my god wow it's crazy <laughs> but yo here's the thing though the the, the jay king part of my my experience taught me a lot because not only did it get me in the studio and and kept working but unfortunately i did very horrible drum sounds during that era don't go don't go find that cachet album quest and talk about the drums um, you know i'm looking for it <laughs> oh god it's horrible but look i'm but gonna I got- hit up jake i'm gonna hit up jake and get it from him i know jake, <laughs> jake will send it to me 
that bad boy is on Discogs. It's it's horrible. They're selling it on on uh, on what you call it too. The eBay or Amazon? Amazon. The shit is on yeah. Amazon. So look, right. anyway. So it never so it never was released. It never Warner never, never officially released it. Okay. Never. But I have it on CD. Gotcha. You know, so because, got it, we got it that far. Cover about to be released on the schedule and everything. And then Jay like pissed off the top brass and they dropped his whole shit. Wow. So yes, describe Jay King as CEO. Because <laughs> <laughs> he he was on the come up. Yeah, he was. And then you know he what? lost it. So what happened? I think, you know what, like, it, and Jay will tell you this himself. When he was young, Gurr, he had a serious, like, energy problem. He could not control his energy. Like, meaning, like, if he got pissed, he let you know. He did not edit himself. He did not care. Uh, I remember one time a security guard said something crazy to him as we was walking through a mall. He went and got a gun. He, he said, like, he was triggered. Like, this guy was not the one to play with. Seriously, seriously. And, and like I, five foot one, right? And, and, maybe, and that was it. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm telling you this. People did not play with Jay. Jay was about his business. And he definitely. But what? But one thing he was to me was like a, a, a kind of an older brother. And he was protective. And he was and he, and he nurtured me. I gave him. And you know what he also did? He left me alone. He left me do my thing. And I'm telling you right now, those years taught me the most probably because it was the time where I thought I had made it, you know, when you get signed and you think you made it. And then all That's of a sudden, the beginning. man, look, that was just the beginning. You know all about that, Fonte. So it's yeah. just, it's, it was crazy. But when we got dropped because of his actions and now I'm stuck, like not having product out. And, and I thought my dream, you listen, when you think your whole dreams are over at 22, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was devastating. It was devastating. But Jay, was so much uh, a volatile person that it made it difficult to deal with in the moment. Yeah. But you figured out your uh, rhythm. He reminded me of the way he talks. He talks just like Jay Prince. Which, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know. Like a very quiet, slow, at least the interviews I saw, which some said, don't mess with that guy. Right, like, scary. <laughs> you Did know you what? ever have any? Oh. I mean, go, I ahead. Gonna, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say, did you ever have any? Um, what was your interactions like with Benny Medina at that time? If you had any, I did. I Warner? had several, and you know what? <sighs> this is the fun. One of the funny stories about Benny, he at that time he was really trying to transition into television. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of over it in a lot of ways. He was already over the record thing. He was because he was really about to do Fresh Prince of Bel Air because he started mm-hmm. that immediately when he left. But what he was for me was just a, a real honest person. Like, he was like, nope, that sucks. Yep, that's dope. Nope. And one time, I, I used to make these phone messages on my phone in Sacramento where I would do all these big-ass productions quests. I would do, like, whole productions just to say that I'm not home. <laughs> oh, we all did. Yes. Right, okay. right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right? So I had this one joint, and it was uh, funky as hell. And he, he called me. Benny called me. I was like, what the hell? Benny Medina's calling me. He went, yo, that's your first fucking single right there. Wow. And he literally chose it for the album that never came out, but it was a song called Wrong. Uh-huh. And he said, man, that's just uh-huh. right. <laughs> so that happened. And then I didn't see Benny for decades until like he was trying. I heard he was trying to find me throughout the whole successful SWV period in the 90s. He never could find me. And when I finally saw him again was recently at a L.A. Reid book signing. Okay. Uh, it was me, him and Usher and L.A. Reid. And that was probably 2016. He hadn't mm. seen me since 88. 
Right. How's he doing, man? Is he still like good health and everything? Oh, how, yeah. how is Benny's, he? As far as I know, Benny's great. Yeah. I mean, when you was when you're that rich, you yeah, just, when you're managing J Lo and managing J Lo, you know, <laughs> yeah. man is Diddy, baby face, you know, please. He's so, yeah. There's there's another legendary person that enters uh your sphere, and I don't know much about him or like I know his music well, and that's Robert Brookins. Mm. Oh how man. like how how does he enter your story? So when I got to Sacramento, I found out that there was this rivalry between Jay King and Robert Brookins. Robert Brookins had been a child star in the in Sacramento. He's from Sacramento as well. So they were like from, from the same hood. And it was like, you know, I'm going to be famous before you type of thing. So yes. Robert was a genius, really, on the keys, vocals. I mean, talk about Fred Hammond. Robert sounded like Fred Hammond before Fred Hammond. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so Pete. So when I get there, it was only a matter of time before I would, I would meet Robert because I was always, he was like a legend and I hadn't met him yet. I was only 22. I kept hearing about him. And then when Jay would talk about him, it was always, fuck Robert, man, I beat Robert's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what is the deal with Jay King and Robert? So they had this rivalry. When Robert Brookings met me, it was by accident. I had this girlfriend I was seeing at the time. Her name is Donna. Donna answered the phones for Robert's office, front office. So one time I wrote week and I wanted to play week for her to see what she thought of it as a female. I went into her office. She introduced me to Robert. That was my first time meeting him. And Mm -hmm. he he didn't know nothing about me singing or playing and none of that stuff. When I pushed the button play on week, my demo of week, Donna, I looked up her ass was in tears. Robert was like, that's too many motherfucking words. Uh that's too wow. many words. That's too wow. many words. Yeah. Too, he said, he said, why are you saying so many words? Blah, 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 blah. Make it more simple. It's good. That's too many Boy. words. I was hey, like, <laughs> if, only, if only Robert had known that Bone Thugs was right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but look, but look, what Robert did at that moment, though, he showed me a couple chords. He showed me. He was working with Jackie Jackson at the time. He took me to Tito Jackson's house. Here in L.A., he took me under his wing is what he did. And that's how I ended up on his second album. I'm doing backgrounds on there on a song called United. But but Robert, literally what he really was trying to do was take J. King's thing ah. from J. Oh. King. You feel me? He's, he's, he's trying to get okay. me squarely in the Robert camp. He's like, and what you doing with that, you know, J. King? He, them niggas can't sing. They can't. Nah, nah, nah. He's like, you're too, you're too bad to be in that camp, bro. What you doing? And I think he tried to show me the, like, the life, Hollywood life with the Jacksons and the, that. And he was also playing keys for Earth, Wind & Fire eventually. Like, Robert was doing everything. Long story short, you know, rest wow. of people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know he, he passed away like uh, 10 years ago, I think. Oh, yes, wow. yes, yes. But we ultimately became very good friends. And um, and he was... He's proud. just one of those cats where that yeah. I always knew about or, you know... Yeah. That that never, you know, got a shine or really got the light of day, but I always saw his name on credits and all yeah. that stuff. And That's funny, man. I listened to a record by him called um, uh, In Our Lives. In Our Lives. Check that one out. Okay. Yeah. I will look that up. Yo, did you sing your demo for a week? I sure did. I sang all the demos for all those songs. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fonsigolo from Team Supreme. 
Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how long before you're able to at least get back up on your feet again mm. once the J. King deal goes? Like, did you try to tell Benny, like, why don't you just sign me directly? Or like you were already nah. under contract to... Listen, when Jay did what he did, I think, in that, in that building, it was a wrap for anything having to do with that. You feel me? Yeah, like, any fruit from that tree was, yeah, was done. That, it's a wrap. And I didn't have the power as a young kid like that to be walking up in those rooms and talking about anything. Really. Shit, we fucked up and went and tried to get a manager to get out of the Jay, Jay deal, and that backfired on us. It was, it, it was just all wow. bad. I was, I was depressed. How long did it take you to be free of him? <sighs> a couple years, man. Like, a couple years. And then even after that, though, 
I was just struggling just to be able to be a working musician. So all of a sudden, I start taking I start taking any calls, <laughs> any calls of anything. I would take it and go do the work. That's how I got Stevie Wonder gig, um, and and the and the Bobby Brown gig in 1990 and 1991 respectively. Can I tell you that story? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so this is what we live for. Pete, this. So now me and Robert at this time had fallen out because Robert made me buy a car that I couldn't afford and put it in. He said he was going to co-sign for it, but then he didn't do it. And I was stuck with the thing. So I was mad. So I was like, not feeling Robert. And then Robert, I also had done multiple songs for Robert that he was supposed to pay me for. And then he didn't pay me for them. So I was really, really mad at Robert in this moment. Understand that. When I tell you albums? No, for these for these artists. It was the okay. It was the people that he was working with. But I had demoed. I had written and demoed them. And he told me he was going to pay me X amount and he didn't do it. Well, remember I had Donna working in there, so Donna could tell me what what was really going on, right? Uh, so, right. Pete, so I, so what I found out was that he really never was gonna pay me, okay? So, so I was <laughs> I was heated. So now I'm down to L.A. hustling for gigs and shit. I get a call from uh, a guy named Derek Allen, bass player. He plays bass. Doa. On, that's right. Doa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know D. So shout out to Derek Allen. So Derek was. Uh, Bobby Brown's musical director for his yeah. tour at that time. He did College Girl on Bobby, the Bobby that's album. That's exactly right. Check you out. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, look, he hit me, and my man Dennis Austin was in the band. He's a keyboard player, dope dude from Sacramento as well, Derek's homeboy. They called me and said, Brian, we need somebody that can sing and play. Can you do this Bobby Brown gig? I said, what's the gig? We're doing the American Music Awards. We're doing a medley of all his hits. Mm. At the American mm. Music Awards, okay? And now this is 1990. Now, this is a quest. You were asking how long it took. This is uh, about a year after we had gotten dropped and when this is happening in 1990, okay? Okay. So um, I take the gig. I get the gig. I get down to L.A. Uh, and I do the gig. It was amazing. I met Val Young, who's also a legend. Shout out to Val Young. I know you know yeah, that. Yeah, I know Val Young. Val, Val was Rick on the James. record. That's right. Uh, and Gap Band. But check this. Yes. So it's me, Val, and this other guy named Harold. We're doing the backgrounds for Bobby. Bobby, uh, for for reasons I won't mention, could not really do we this. We already know. <laughs> we know. been on the show. We already know. <laughs> Couldn't do the show, okay? Live, like it was supposed to be. So Dick Clark said, you're not coming up on here. You know, Dick Clark did not play. He's like, you're not coming on here messing up my shit. Go, go record it. You got to go record it. So we went to a studio. Was that bad? It was bad. So we recorded the whole thing in the studio. Now... When I was supposed to leave the next day to go back to Sacramento, I'm in a hotel room. I'm getting I'm, my bags are all packed. I'm in a, in a hotel lobby uh, waiting on a cab or something. And look, I jump on the piano and I start playing what? A commission song. Mm-hmm. And it probably was running back to you or something like that. So a guy walks by me and he goes, yo. You know that you what you know about the commission say, man, come on. And so we start doing two-part harmony to it in the lobby of this hotel. Wow. I look up and I was like, bro, you are Keith John, huh? Wow. wow. It seems with Stevie. Yeah, Stevie. Oh yeah. man. Oh, Keith John. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So peep. So I go, bro. And he, before I can say anything else, he said, What's your name? I said, I'm Brian Morgan. And he goes, Not Brian Alexander Morgan. And I said, wow. wait a minute, how do you know my name, bro? How do you know my name? He said, bro, that Cache album, we, Stevie plays it on the bus all the time. <laughs> what? I even wow. get it. What? I, because they gave promos out all the time. The ah. labels. I said, what? He said, check this out, bro. We're having a rehearsal. Stevie's doing the, uh, the Grammys, and we're having a rehearsal for it. 
do, would you like to audition for it? I say, what? Of course. I said, what y'all doing? He said, we're going to do We Can Work It Out, the Beatles joint, because mm-hmm. Paul McCartney's going to be there. I said, oh, my God, yeah. So I did it. I went to the form, a line around the form, waiting to go, everybody doing 20,000 runs warming up. Keith John walked me in, got me into that audition, and I got that gig. So if you look at this, you can, you can YouTube it, 1991, I think it is. I know that performance well. I recorded yeah. that. Oh, wow. That's right. And I, I'm in there. That's me right there. That is crazy. I tell right? you, like, Brian, a, hey, you, you the R&B Forrest Gump out here, cuz. <laughs> that's what, that's, this is how you came. Yes. 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 Thank that you. was the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, but yo, but from there, back home and broke, right? <laughs> right. Okay. And, and it's cool to be on TV and your mama was like, look at my baby on TV with Stevie Wonder. But, you know, Stevie didn't call me after that until about four years later when the girls were out. But when I went back home, Something I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it easy. Just transition for y'all. I was like, I cannot be broke no more. I gotta write something <laughs> for somebody that I already know has 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 a standing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I in in '89, Martha Wash had out everybody, everybody, mm-hmm. and I love that joint, right? Right. And I've always been a, a house head and a, and a dance head. So I was like, man, I can write. I can write a joint for Martha. And then all of a sudden, when she had out, um. Uh, everybody dance now. That, uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's 91. So I'm like, this is my opening because she got a record deal on RCA as a result of her getting, uh, suing CNC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has CNC. So yeah. she got that deal. So I said, that's my opening right there. She got a brand new album and she's going to need songs. So I went home. I had a, listen, what I had, Quest, this is the equipment I had. It's pathetic, but I made these joints on it. You made I, it work. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I had a motherfucking 909. Okay. Rolling, okay. rolling 909 rolling. That's, had, that's house you need that you I, need, need that. I needed that and then I had a horrible Elisa's HR16B remember that joint it was wow, per- yes, I know that joint. <laughs> oh my god for percussion right you made it work bro I made them joints together and used the 909 for the kick and snare stuff and the HR16B for the percussion stuff right percussion. and them two joints go together sound like a whole new drum machine so boom and then I wrote and I was like I did my best everybody everybody Right. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's a song called Give It To You. It went number one dance for me and Martha in, on RCA in 1992, early 1992. But it got me in the door at RCA. The A&R mm-hmm. person of the of the Martha Wash record was Kenny Ortiz. Kenny Ortiz. Kenny Ortiz. Yep. OK. OK. That's how we get to SWV. Wow. So that got you in the door. Got me in that door, and I did. And no, I had only done two two songs on the demo for Martha. She liked them so much. She, this is what Martha Watt said to me when she heard them demo songs. She said, "I don't know who you are or where you come from, but you're doing what we want. The A and R guy has not given us what we want until he played us you. Can you wow. please do? Can you do more? So I ended up doing five joints on that out on Martha's debut on RCA. Five songs on there." And that literally changed my life because I was able to A, get a new car, B, say fuck, <laughs> say, fuck you to Robert Brookings, C, <laughs> say, uh, say to Jay King, I can, you know, I'm, I'm out here, I'm still working. You know, it was, it, and I was never malice towards him because I knew that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even be there. So right. I would never talk shit about Jay. But at the end of the day, I was just like, yo, I'm working. And I got an apartment and I started working. And if I didn't have that money that I made for Mark the Wash, I couldn't have bought my first MPC that I did. I'm swing to you and all the rest of the stuff on. Wow. So that okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Now, talk all right. Go, go how do you how do you develop this stuff? <laughs> what came crazy, first? Yeah. The songs or or did the songs come first or 
you meeting the the ladies of SWV first? Songs first. Remember, I told you I did Week before I ever met them. Mm-hmm. I did that in right. okay. 89. And that's when the, when the whole thing fell apart with Jay. And then Shantae Moore came into the picture. And then that's kind of, I wrote that out of a sadness about. You were writing that song for her record or? I wrote it about her. And I was writing it for Charlie Wilson. Whoa, 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 whoa. Week was about Shantae Moore? You didn't know that? Everybody knows. No, that. no, no, that's no. Don't be mad at the fact that yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 bro. Yes. Wow. Uh, uh, speak on it. I had a huge crush on Shantae, bro, and I could, but that, that was Jay's woman at the time. Shantae was Jay's woman at the time, big before, time. Uh, before, before oh, Shantae's yeah. got a man. This is way before. Oh, okay, yeah, way yeah. Before. oh no, yeah, yeah, this Shantae. Yeah. Shantae had a man. Yeah, because yeah, 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 I'm yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. And it, you know what? And it was just about boundaries. And I knew they want to cross no boundaries with my, you know, that's my boss. And Jay King was still crazy. Don't get it fucked up. So, yeah. uh, What's some Mr. Big. <laughs> right. <laughs> but with that voice, Mr. though. Because she right. looked like that and she got that voice, though. Oh, my right. God. And that was her. Oh, my God. I uh, didn't even make yes. the connection. Bro. <laughs> she's the yeah, voice. She's, oh, yes. Oh my yes, God. she is. Yes. Bro, bro. <laughs> So long story short, but I, I was the body. Still, still Charlie Wilson fan though. Me, think of where I'm coming from. So Wednesday Lover had been my favorite Gap Band song. Man, at that say moment, that shit. At that say moment, that shit. right? Yes. Every mm-hmm. now and then, I was mm-hmm. like, oh God, I got to write something for Charlie. So that was, Wednesday Lover came out in 88. So I wrote Week in 89. It was only a week, a year later, not even a whole year later, right? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. Wednesday Lover, I got to do something at least as strong as that, right? And so, but Shantae was the fuel for the subject of it because it was just about unrequited things. You can't, you, you know something's happening, but you can't do nothing about it type of energy. Wow. Hence the whole, I don't know what it is, but this is, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Why is she not exclaiming this from the rooftops? Does she, what was her reaction to knowing that? That's she didn't know that then. And she always, knowing it now. Does she know it now? Yeah, she, definitely, it now. she definitely knows it now. She's known it for years. But back then, she had no idea. And not only that, she was trying to get the hell away from Sacramento and Jay, too. She had a whole yeah. other life she's about to live. But, uh, but, my point, <laughs> but my point is, thank God I wrote something so honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? From my heart. And, uh, and she was the inspiration for it. And I'm not ashamed to say, you know wow. what I mean? Nah. But Charlie, what was her reaction Wednesday, now? What was the Gap Band song that was the... <laughs> Wednesday, the Wednesday Lover. Wednesday Lover. Yeah, man. Wednesday That's Lover. That's the one. That's, that shit is hard. Oh, my God. Wait a it's minute. still, still you, hard. All right, you two are an anomaly. To, y'all are so puzzling because I know that's not on... That's on the Round Trip record. That's right. Yeah. There's nothing else on there. It's horrible. Who would... <laughs> <laughs> Who's <Yeah>. listening? <laughs> Nobody. <to> Round trip. <laughs> Nobody. In '89, that like, but when I'm gonna get her. you, sucker wasn't on there. <laughs> like, man, right, right, bro. No, like, that that wasn't me even attention. So Wednesday Lover went up for for my generation. I think uh, when bro. Jagged Edge covered it, yeah, that kind of sent a lot of people back. It's like, oh, this is a cover, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, we checked that one. It was the same thing when Mary covered uh, I'm in Love. Like, that was a lot of, that was a Gap Band record. A, a brilliant Gap Band record. Brilliant. Yeah, that it kind of just went I under know, the radar. But, mm-hmm. And, and I, honestly, I stepped they were, after Gap Band 8, so I... No, nah, no. Nah. Listen, they were on Capitol and were about to get dropped, and it was a whole mm-hmm. lot of screwed up stuff happening at Capitol at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't a good, it wasn't their fault. That was a bonafide smash. It should have been, but Cap, no money was put behind it. It was just horrible. But that record, 
just did something to my heart at the time. So when I wrote Weak, I was coming from that space. Like, it's got to be dope enough for Charlie to do it. Now, the ironic thing is I never even gave it to him. <laughs> wow. Because so much stuff started happening in a different direction for me. When Like Martha happened and then it didn't really blow, blow up like I hoped it would. But the, we got the number one dance record out of it and then it kind of went away. But when I met, when I heard Coco's voice, though, this is the connection. So when Kenny Ortiz was like, all of a sudden, when we was finishing up Martha Watch, he's like, B, I got these girls. I, I'm, I'm going to need you to write some stuff for these girls. And, I, and, I, and I, you hear that all the time from A&R dudes. they be like, oh, God, here we go. But wait, he FedExed the joint, a, a, a cassette to me back in those days. I opened the cassette up. I put it on. Soon as I heard Coco's voice, I was like, oh, my God, that's another Shirley Murdoch all day. Right. <laughs> so when you put my energy, which is a Charlie Wilson heavily influenced thing with a Shirley Murdoch, now you got a potential computer love about to happen. <laughs> You're so scientific with this. Joke, man. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it the is. truth. Right. It is. So, and I knew it as soon as I heard it. So I'm like, OK, so that demo that had been floating around of week of me. I knew in the back of my mind Coco would murder it, but I was trying to get a solo deal for myself. So out of all the stuff I sent Kenny for, to, for them, I didn't send him that. Wow. I sent him right here. Okay. I sent him some other stuff, and I did not send him Week. Now listen how he found out about Week. Well, before you do that, mm-hmm. what, who was working on their music that got to you? Because I'm under the impression that you did all their music. Like... How did how did their demo get to you, and what was on that demo? Like, what was the music? That's a great question. There's a guy that um, what they were working with called Donald uh, Donald Brown, Donald Bolden. I think if I'm saying it right, he passed away. Okay. He he was the, the there's a song on the first album called a couple things he did on there. Um, look on the credits and check his joints out. But he's on the first okay. album. But that's okay. the stuff I heard was from him. But now what I learned on Coco's voice at the time, I was like, man. She's got to have somebody to be able to control what she's doing because it was like very church, you know, it's all over the place, church, 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 and ad libs were wild. I was like, if I could, if I could harness that and tame it, it's gonna be dope. And I knew that. But here's how Kenny found out about Week and went crazy. There, at J- back to J King at J King's <laughs> office when I worked there, there was this janitor working there named Jeff Bowens. Okay, so Jeff Bowens would clean up the office after everybody would leave. But what we didn't know was that he would also take, help himself to tapes and cassettes. Oh, that. shit. Okay. okay. So now, cut, that was 89. Cut to 92, 91, somewhere in there. Uh, not even 92, it was 91. I get a phone call from Kenny Ortiz. He's at a meeting at RCA Records in Hollywood. He goes, nigga, you have been holding out on me. How in the hell am I hearing this song from Jeff Bowens? Because Jeff Bowens was now an A&R person at RCA Records. Ah. That's so creepy. <laughs> wow. And he goes, and Kenny Ortiz goes, that sounds like my dude Brian Morgan. And Jeff Bowens goes, Brian Alexander Morgan? And he goes, hell yeah. And Kenny goes, I'm working with this nigga right now on motherfucking Mark Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kenny called me and go, B. Are you crazy? You've been holding out on me, bro. Get, I got You got to cut this on SWV. You got to cut this on them when you finish mixing Martha. Please come to New York and cut this on them when you finish mixing Martha. I said no, because I was like, bro, I'm trying to get a deal myself. You hear me on that joint? Cut, why don't you sign me? He said, be later. I need them on that record now. <laughs> and I, he said, because he wanted to do like a female guy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so but who but who who influenced Aaron Charlie? So we still back yeah. we still back at Charlie, right? So when I get back to New York, I agreed to it after you agreed to drop a little coinage 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on that demo, right? So yeah, we went in there. We in the studio called Homeboy, which is legendary. Robin S. Shortly after we did that, did Show Me Love in there. Show or, Me Love, okay. Or Andrea Martin, whichever one you believe. And um, oh, oh, is that the is that the story? Is that Andrea Martin is singing that? Yes, Lord. That's what. That's the what? Yeah, that's what. I, what? That's a, that's a big, big, big. I saw it on the internet, man. And then and, and then Andrea's y'all gotta Google it. She she sings it. And then when you hear her sing it, you can be like, holy shit! Wow. And she cut oh. yeah, bro. So anyway, but but Fred Fred shout out to Fred McFarlane and and um and um um the guy that owned Homeboy Nat forgive me Nat Foster forgive me y'all work there Fred and Alan George Jesus yeah the, the writers of Show Me Love. But we recorded that. Salam Remy recorded a lot of joints in there. That's a very famous room. Ask everybody okay. about Homeboy Recordings. Ask them about that. I so will. anyway, history. So got that cut. Uh, Coco hated it. Was difficult to record her on it. Uh, but the good news this is how uh, every hit starts. <laughs> right, right. But she'll so, tell you. She, yeah. Well, let me ask you. Well, I was going to say, you're you're basically being set up, uh, kind of as a a, a blind playdate. So, like, how do you even start to nurture the relationship of trust and whatnot? Like, do you just immediately day one to start recording these joints? Do you, like, spend time with them for, like, Jam and Lewis spent two question. weeks with Janet before they even hit the studio. Man. So, that with is, you, what was wow. the process to gain the trust? That was That is a great question. And let me tell you, the answer is not good. Because that level of commitment that Jam and Lewis, and I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, my God, they influenced, they influenced me producer-wise like almost more than everybody. Uh, as yeah, far right. as my, my key style, my bass, left-hand bass is and, uh, Jimmy. We talk, hmm, we talk, we talk right. very often. That's my guy. Um, but they spent the time with Janet like that to do that. I had no l- such luxury. I got these three girls thrown in my face with attitude out the yin-yang, right? Like all this whole New York attitude. And they was like, they didn't know me. They didn't care. But what the difference was with me and Coco was she had been used to running these hip hop producers crazy because they couldn't sing and they could and she and they couldn't tell her what to do because they could not reproduce it with their own mouths. I walk in. I did the whole beat, the whole record and everything. And I'm also can sing this. And shit. I can sing it. Yeah. And I can tell you how to sing it. So that changed the game for her. And she resisted it big time, like in a big way. Like it was it was very hard to get, get anything done. However, once she got it done. And I was satisfied with how it sounded. That's what you hear. Mm. So, can I so ask, did you I... have to go line for line? And and I, what you're basically saying is, and I've heard this story before. The the, the story of uh, uh, we once had Linda Perry on the show, and she was talking about how, you know, uh, Christina Aguilera, when she first got beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. of course, Christina thought she was going to do some, you know, Zillion all runs. crazy. Ah! And you know, yeah. and just as a way for her to learn the song, she's like, All right, put the mic up. Let me just sing this real quick, and I'll come back in two weeks and knock this joint out. And she's mm-hmm. singing in her dry voice. And Linda knew That's the one. this is the take. Mm-hmm. But and I'm gonna let you God. struggle for three weeks and make you think you're gonna top it and mm-hmm. didn't do it. So, like, but what's what's the you know, I've made it known on this show that I hate nothing more than recording vocals mm-hmm. with with artists. But how do you like? How do you get them to just straight up 
chill and and go? That's a great question as well. Listen, with me and Coco, it was very, very easy in one sense because she surrendered because she wasn't a person who could ad lib. She mm. wasn't an imp- improv person at all. And she, and she was really fearful of it. Like she would be so terrified that she might have to create an ad lib or do any of that mm. stuff. So in order to make her feel more comfortable, I would just do every single thing that I wanted her to do. Just give like, her licks. It yeah. literally like the, I would just sing it down the way that literally that I wanted her to do it. I'm talking about every single thing. Listen, I'm so into you at the end, even down to the even that even that I sang that like every single run, every single thing. So really what you're hearing when you hear yeah, those records right. is just me doing it first and then she does it. And it was so, it worked so well. It's like, it was magic how it worked. Like, it was like, I was, I, I was able to have a female voice be my voice. <laughs> Does she feel like yes. she was being inauthentic if she just followed you verbatim? No, because she was so young, that wasn't, didn't cross her mind. Now I'm sure, now here's what I felt like happened later. Coco, you tell me if I'm wrong, because if you, I know you're going to see this. She probably got really sick of people that are like musicians and singers asking her questions about shit about where, how we did shit and what the, and how to do this and how we do that. And she, it, it was really just, she just copied the demo. It was not a, a, big, a, a big answer, right? But the whole thing was, it was always back to me. So I, I think as a person, young person is trying to develop and be who they are, it would be, anno- I could get that. Yeah. I see that it could be annoying to constantly be reminded that somebody else gave you all your licks or somebody else gave and you- And too, when you go into a, a studio with another producer, and they expecting you to do what they've heard yeah. you do before. Exactly. You can't, you can't replicate that shit. And you know then, but saying? she learned. And that's where I think she, her learning process started right there. And she'll tell you that's that too. Up. Shout out to Coco. She'll tell you those, those, those hard sessions taught her how to do all that stuff that, that eventually came to her naturally. Can I just ask a question real quick? Cause I noticed that I just, I'm sorry, just because I noticed that you keep saying Coco and for SWV fan, like we all know that Coco's voice is like, of course she is the, but how did the workload work and the dynamic work with the group? Because at the same time as SWV fan, you still was like, "Uh, I want to hear Taj. uh, I want to hear Lily. Like, like how did that? And you know what? On my records, did everyone know their place or every, listen, I made sure that they were on every one of my joints, all my hits, but this is, we just having a discussion about this recently. Kenny Ortiz would always try to get me to re-record Coco doing the girls' parts as just as a safety, just in case. And I didn't believe in that because what I liked, I loved their blend. The, blend, the, yes. the true authentic blend from Coco, Taj, and Lili is you can't replace, just like you can't replace Queen. That sound of those guys' voices together mm-hmm. is their sound. You can't replace um, backgrounds. Take with six. A, take yeah. six. It's those, that blend of those people. So how long were they together before they got to you? I think a couple of years. And that's why their blend was so smooth and so perfect. Mm -hmm. So what I would always do was record them individually so I could have control of each note. Mm -hmm. And I would make sure they were blended into the record properly. So if you listen to every one of my joints, they're always there. They're on my joints. But Kenny harmonizer, but never like as solo, like, you know, like. Oh, leads. Well, no, no, that came later. Because remember, most of my joints were on the first album where we just try to find find our feeling. Right. Uh, Because Lily sounds amazing on that Faith Evans joint that she did. Are you kidding me? On the second album, she and Taz, they all can sing. This is sisters. Exactly. That's exactly. It's truly sisters with voices. But at the same time, the the placement of what they do on the hit records is, 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 is as important to me as the lead. Because everybody loves those backgrounds. Are you kidding me? So far, mm-hmm. so far. Every, or, or if it's a, I guess. That's the part so, that everyone sings. 
Come on, bro. Everything True. that yeah. they do, I was telling Lily this, who, who felt underappreciated and under, right. it's not real. I'm like, no, you can't sing none of those songs without those backgrounds. Without them, yeah. Okay. The things you do. So, oh, man. Yeah. you having them singing unison, like, because I love how they're, the way that you stack their background vocals. Mm-hmm. It starts off unison and then it it it, it blossoms into a harmony. harmony. Is that the Clark sisters' influence? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like all day. Thank you, Twinkie Elberniva Clark. Yes, ma'am, sir. That's exactly. <laughs> so wait, give you, me an example on the SWV record of when you do that, because just for the, the layman that's listening. Okay. Uh, I'm so into, and then saying you, you is okay. the you is harmony. Yeah. You is yeah. the harmony. Yes. And then back to you. Like you. I don't know where I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. Stay yeah. unison. And then you don't go harmony again to God. To confuse. Confused. Right. Yeah, yeah, baby. That's right. You give them something <laughs> to look forward to and back and forth with it. That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, yeah. Commission. Commission too. Same thing, commission. It's that's how we that's our that's a style, man. Yeah, like uh George Clinton um would often say if you, you look at Funkadelic records, like look at flash flashlight, mm-hmm. uh, they would always sing in unison. Because he had a theory that um, he once gave a theory about like how, you know, when you're in an Irish pub or whatever and people sing the song, they get drunk, like they all sing together. Yes, like, they do. What he calls a Greek chorus. Greek chorus, yeah. Right. I love it. it it's more uh, down to earth and it's it's more inviting to yeah. make you want to remember the song if everyone sings in unison, like in the same voice, as opposed to like. Some Everybody's trying six. to pick out a note, right? Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. You listen to take six. You I'll just want to watch six. them. Like, wow, they're amazing. But right. you feel like nah, I, you I can't, can't do that. that. Never, Lord, <laughs> lead them yes. now. Right. Yeah, but right. yeah, okay. that's the there, thing. Like, as the movie harmonies right. were, they had just enough unison to make people feel like, oh, I can sing this too. Yeah, and then yeah. you had a little spice in there to let them <laughs> okay. know you ain't fucking with me. And rain, same way. Rain, rain, same thing. I have another. I have another question. Production wise, mm. and I always wanted to know this: what makes it's about time? Somewhat, uh, uh, I, I guess, revolutionary is also in the production because you could easily succumb to what was happening in the and in, in that time with with New Jack Swing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm certain that like guys, the future. Uh, TLC's first record, like everybody was using, you know, James Brown's mm-hmm. Think About It loop and all that stuff, like, mm-hmm. or that post Dallas Austin, mm-hmm. like basically yeah. the boomerang soundtrack, like that sort of, right? No, I know exactly <laughs> like that post public enemy, yeah, 119 noise. BPM, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, for this album to come out in 1992, it is very un new jack swingy like it's right right it's but, almost it was a bridge purpose. to yeah i was going to say like did kenny not feel like wait a minute th- this doesn't sound like in vogue or tlc right. or whatever was you, you know, know at the time you're competing with dallas austin and teddy riley and what right if i'm gonna so be honest what made you purposely go the opposite direction with the production as we when we started I'm so into you didn't exist. So remember that, right? So when we started recording, we started from week and then went into the only, the first up-tempo we did was right here. So technically mm-hmm. I'm still slightly new Jackie on right here, my original mm-hmm. right here, if you listen to it, but I was yeah. trying to do it in a breakbeat kind of way, right? So, but Pete, right. 
But I knew, I knew from coming to New York and coming, being in New York and being in the energy, I was around, see, Fonte, I was in the Heads sessions. I was in Eric Sermon sessions. Mm. I was in sessions that didn't have anything to do with R&B. So my, my instinct was, I got to go harder. I can't just do New Jack. I mean, that's the pop sound and radio. Fuck that. I, yeah. I want to do something that's different. Because the reason why Guy was so hard was because they did their thing in their, in their style. Yeah, these right. girls got to show their thing in their own style. They can't be New Jack Swing because then they they're trying to be guy. Is is what my mind would be. So I'm like, no, this is me, right? So I, by the time as we recorded and, I, and you listen to the record, because I'm gonna keep it really 100. There's two New Jack Swingy things on there. Uh, think you're gonna right? like it? Think you're gonna like it, bro. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> you feel me? But that's the remnants of what had been. You can hear. Think you're gonna like it? Almost so doesn't you do even those fit. First- we did those first, like yeah, it. yeah. And you know, I, I like that song. I mean, I, I definitely see the new, but that was not saying, a bad song at all. But I, see I what appreciate you're it. But I'm saying <laughs> that happened when I first met them, and then mm-hmm. my whole once you got Quest asked about the comfortable comfortability factor. By the time, and as far as getting to know them and who they were, by the time we did, I'm swimming to you. I had recorded them many, many times. So okay. now they trust me, and they trust what I'm going to tell them to do. And then we had that level. So when we get to I'm Swearing to You, I knew that this was going to be the one for me, even if it never succeeded. I said, personally, I think I nailed this one because it's my own sound. Mm. And I purposely went straight with the straight 16th thing because it was so un-New Jack. It was the not, it was absolutely yeah, not New Jack. I was going to say 16 on the hi-hat. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah, man. very unusual. I was like, if Can this works. Can you tell the right here story? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there oh, something controversial about that right here story? Oh, God. The the remix. Oh, yes. Oh, God. That's, isn't that how we Oh, I, I just wanted to know about right here. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, no. Tell here's me what I don't know. Kenny Ortiz, <laughs> everybody has a story about it. But here's my thing. All Star, the one that, that did the bulk of the work on the record, is my man. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know that Teddy did anything on it at all until I became aware of it through Kenny Ortiz and, and Teddy and them saying exactly what he did. But and we're under- talking about the right here, human nature remix. Human nature, right. Just to be clear. Gotcha. So just to be clear, everybody had a hand in it, but the <laughs> truth of the matter is the, the whole beat itself was done by all-star then touched up by Teddy and others with certain things. Teddy recorded her vocal, Coco's vocal mm-hmm. on there. Um, some other Teddy's uh, got the producer, sample cleared, obviously. Right, <laughs> and, and Teddy did. I guess there's some other guys that work with Teddy in the studio as well. They got at me on Instagram. Those are all great guys. Everybody's cool people. I'm just saying, the germination of that song and that production and that beat was done by All Star, the person who grabbed. Who the also sample. did the Anything remix? Who um, killed it? Right. Yeah. Wait, even Although the drums? Because I could have sworn the drums was Teddy. Even the drums, because I could have sworn the drums were Teddy. No, Teddy's drums are on I'm Swing to You. His remix on that. Have you heard that? The so rough, so the do 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't play that on the verses, me, though. He played the other one. You're telling one, me that, 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 that swing? Here we go. No, that, that is All Star. And, and then he told me what sample he used. Wow. And I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. This is how I got, because I mean, I'm just like, y'all, I wasn't sure who did what at this point when I hear some, you know, Teddy, they say one thing, Teddy's people and his and his guys that did it with him. No, nigga, we was there. We did this, this, and I was like, and I can't argue because I wasn't there. But mm-hmm. here's what I told All-Star, who had told me that he did the basic beat. I said, All-Star, tell me this then. 
Because I'm like you, Quest. I'm like, let's get down to the germination of this whole, what you just did. Like, okay, where's that beat from, bro? Mm -hmm. And he broke it down and told me the samples. And I went and checked it against what he told me. And that is it. So I said, if y'all, and I went on Instagram and said this to those people who was claiming that they did it. I said, tell me what the samples are that made that drum loop. Mm -hmm. Just tell me. And then it's like, nigga, I don't remember that show, man. I'm, and I was like. <laughs> Wait, important, more importantly, what were the comments like when he rocked it on Versus? Oh, man. Was it Snark yeah, Delicious or? <laughs> well, that's, well, that's how all this. That's, that's how, how this came this all, to fruition, right? Yeah, man, that's how this all happened. Because when that. When that oh, okay. Yes, remember? I'm, I'm mad late. Yeah. It was when, date night that night. I, I didn't see that part of uh, Well, Versus. listen, when, it, when he opened his whole thing with that joint. Oh, so he had a story for it and everything, and people no, no, were no, just no, ready no, with the receipts? No, no, he just opened it as if it was his. Yeah. yeah. That's what he did. And so, and, and, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that one? Hold on. And then I called All Star because I wanted clarity. I was like, bro, before I say anything on this internet about anything, tell me once again who did what on this joint for real. Was he, he losing his shit when he was? All Star was laughing. He's like, these people are hilarious. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, bro. Okay, so you know, this is obviously the Dinah Ross presents the Jackson Five story. You know, right? Exactly. Right. 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 right, right, right. Value. I fell for a hook, line, singer. I'm like, yeah. Well, Teddy's working with Michael Jackson. He got the sample cleared. Okay. Yeah, I get it. And that's I not why the sample man. cleared. Trust me. My, the girls had been just number one with with Week, a million selling single, number one. And this is at the mm -hmm. time that Michael had just done his Oprah interview. So he, ah. the, the publicity wasn't the greatest. And then and, and being associated with something really, really black, like a number one pop girl group that has a song called Week Out. And that's why I, the wow. follow up is right here. Human Nature with number two. And Michael, he, those girls went crazy. Number two pop. It would have went number one if it wasn't for Mariah's Dream Lover. Wow. Damn, that's right. Yeah, that was the same. And, right. I, and right. I remixed that, summer. by the way. Shout out to myself for remixing Dream Lover. Mariah called me Shout after that. Shout out to myself, <laughs> son. Yeah. Hey, Brian, what did you so, think when you heard uh, JoJo's version a week? I know that shit kind of knocked me out. Well, I did it. I produced it. So. Shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Second time around, baby. It's, like my yeah. baby. it's, it's the only reason I love her so hard still to this day. Um, Vince, so thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Vincent Herbert called me on that one and said, listen to this. I put the phone in my ear. Uh, I just heard a kid singing. She said, he, she said she, she's 13. I said, what? And he went, and Shit. she's white. I said, what? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's Vincent Herbert, no, three boys from Newark. That's uh, right. Yeah. Vincent, Vincent Herbert, Tamar, for people who are on the light end of music. Exactly. So Vincent, <laughs> hey, yo, yo. And Amir. They flew, no, they flew, they flew, they flew me down yeah. there. playing. Flew me down to LA and I cut that on, on JoJo. How long did that take? Was she like a, it just seemed like she just had it. Oh man, that was nothing. That was yeah. like, oh my God, she, yeah, she did that. She did, and she's been singing it ever since. Sorry at the Taco Tuesday that my boy uh, killing it. You saw that on Instagram. <laughs> a year ago she was doing it. I was like, yeah. I was happy. I was at my happy. boy Steve Mackey's house. Hell yeah. Shout out Steve Mackey. Yeah. J-Lo's vocal coach. Hello. Uh, oh, okay, man. So, I still maintain that the uh, original version of anything is better than the remix. That was, Thank you so much, bro. The Listen, slow. dude. I mean, I love the remix, but man, yeah, that I first when it. I when I heard when you just hear you talk about that album uh, mm. about the uh, you know the SUV record and how I can hear now as you talk about it mm -hmm. how you know the think you're gonna like it that was kind of New Jack Swing, but yeah, anything when I heard that I was just like, nah, this they on some other shit. Yeah, this. man. And let me tell you how I wanted to, I really approached that one. Um, Coco at that time I was impressed with. 
she was um her own. She was solid in her divaism, very mm-hmm. very early, right? And I'm just okay. working with Mark the Watch. I'm on the hills of Mark the Watch, an actual diva, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, Coco is a little young diva in training, for real, for real. <laughs> so I said to myself when I thought about how that I album said chamomile. when that album starts bro you got it man i was like i need a joint that not only sets up the whole mood but it's got to be a joint that sets coco's voice out there like that and i was thinking about diana ross's um how they the slow intros on uh uh ain't a mountain high enough ain't a mountain high enough right you feel me where it's just the slow build and it builds up to the boom 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 bam right but i wanted it when it came on to be so sexy i was like what can i do atmospherically quest to set up a sexy thing so i sampled i turned on my water faucet in my apartment and i sampled uh uh, the water dripping then i sampled me dropping a, a, a 50 cent piece into a glass and so i got that plop that i wanted and I was like, wow. all these, and then I breathed into the mic. I was just going, ah, ah. yeah. <laughs> so, so all those sounds, I said to myself, so you didn't use the library records that the studios, right? You just no. <laughs> I was in my apartment, bro. I was like, nobody's joint is going to sound like this because it's so just me, literally making up sounds. And so by the time I put those keys to all those weird ah, and all those snap and all that breathing and stuff, it it created a, a mood, and, and it's the perfect mood for Coco's voice to come in. And do what it does, and then, and look how good the background sound on that. There they are again, Leanne Taj, killing it. Yeah, no, nah, right. I, I, I love and, that and song. And the unison and harmony thing theory is still in effect on that. But my There's heart a is for you. Come on, come on. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. 
Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what I want to know is that once this album really hits pay dirt and becomes your your lottery ticket, well, one, how does your life change? But can you talk about the phone calls that come in after, like the <laughs> artists that you had to turn down and whatnot. Because wow. I know, Ooh, wait. what is that? What is that downpouring of of Man. water feel like? Like, how does your life change? Again, I was being that kid from Kansas who always lived in those credits, like we do. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, when um, Charlie called me and said, "I want to come by, just come by the house." You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in tears, damn. They're like, oh, my God, my hero's coming. And then we sit down and jam and get on the drums and the keys and back and trade back and forth. He's on keys, I'm on drums. He's on drums, I'm on keys, recording it, videotaping it. I got all that footage. Um, it was amazing. But when Stevie mm. called mm. and said, what are you doing with that girl's voice? How are you doing it? Can you come down and hang out? What? And I was like, and I said to him, do you remember me? I said I have some background so we can work it. Out. <laughs> he he did not wow. remember that. Okay, but the point was now he's calling me and I'm and I'm and I'm there, man. I'm like this is crazy. Uh, who another one that called? Oh, Ray Parker Jr., one of my heroes, came up and flew up in his plane and came out to hang out with me in Sacramento. Just stupid stuff, um, man. Wow. All the heroes you can think of that you would want to call that you love, they called. And, and and Mariah called, and I went to meet Tommy Mottola and her. That's how I got Dream Lover. Clive Davis called and signed a girl group that I had at the time. Um, and he wanted me to do my production deal with them. Um, it was amazing. What was that? What was the name of the girl, the girl group? They never came out, but they were called Oliver Twist. Oliver oh, Twist. Oh, how, how do they spell it? No, 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 no. How do they spell it? <laughs> Just like it sounds. All of her twists. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Hey, we had some joints. We had some joints on there. Wow. All of her I want a collection of all the groups that didn't make it with these. With these (laughs) these (laughs) damn names, bro. Hilarious, right? So, man, so on the second record, man. Oh, before we go to the second record, I just got to nerd and give you your props. There's a bass line, a bass you play on anything. Mm. It's a lick. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah. You feel me? Because you know why that you know where that came from? I always hanging out with Wayman where? with his acoustic with his fretless. Yeah. So, so I, I did that as a nod to Wayman Tisdale, like, yo, bro, I'm, I'm thinking about you right here. That's you. I, I just wanted to play it with my hands on, on the keyboard. Like, let me play this thing like a, a fretless dude would do. Yeah, yeah. And thank you. Thank you for noticing that, man. That's no, that's, man. That's that's like my favorite part of the song. I and love by the shit. way, Wayman Tisdale is on that first album. He did. A, yep. we wrote a that's song what called, I need. That's what I need. That's right. Yeah. Shout out to Wayman and Danielle Tisdale. So, man, what happened on the second record? The um, when when they did, because you did the um. The single, the uh, well, no, you, no, 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 oh, no. Before no, I'm, tripping, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Layla. Um, ah, let me, let love, me you. love you. Yeah. I heard that. I was like, yo, this, why ain't SWV <laughs> doing this shit? Look. <laughs> <laughs> what, what went down with, with, with the second album and with Man, you and the girls? My six, six, my six degrees of separation is crazy. Quest, check this out. Do you guys know who Jeff Foreman is? Yes, he was Layla's man. We had Layla A and R. Yeah, we had her on the show okay. like like years so, ago. So yep. when I got that Warner Brothers deal way back in '89, and I was thinking I'm about to come out on Warner, I met Jeff through a friend here in LA. He just was a friend. But what I what mm-hmm. I learned was that Jeff Foreman's brother is James M. Tumay. What? Damn, that's right. Yeah, right. Okay. He's so. Yeah, yeah. So James and Tumay's kid brother is my buddy, my best friend, Jeff Foreman. Shout out to Jeff Foreman. Also shout out to DJ Khalil, who Jeff Foreman mentored and gave his first gig. Jeff Foreman introduced me to Layla right when he signed her to Virgin Records in 1990. So that's why I already had a relationship with Layla four years before Let Me Love You. Ah, gotcha. Isn't that crazy? Oh. And so by the time when that came out, were you and the girls, were y'all beefing? Like, what was y'all relationship like? No, let me, no, no. Let, let me love you came out in between the second album. I didn't know that. That's was right. Gonna, that was ninety four. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. New beginning was ninety five. Right. So I spent ninety six. I did. Let me ninety six. Okay. Right, but I did. Let yeah, me it came out when Illadelph Half Life came. out. I remember exactly. Yeah, it came I out ninety six. I did. Let me love you in ninety four and Usher crazy in ninety four. Okay. Uh, and they, okay. and they both I'm came right. to Sacramento and recorded up there. That was on Usher's first album, that, that Diddy, um, A&R, that, and uh, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pete, after that, Layla, first of all, came to Sacramento and murdered that. That's, a, that's one take. That, that lead vocal in Let Me Love You is one take. Really? She was smoking a cigarette, it, playing my Gallagher machine. When I walked up on her and said, <laughs> you ready to do this vocal? She said, yeah, let's knock it out. Put a cigarette out, got on that mic, sung that entire vocal from top mm-hmm. to bottom. Yeah. Really? Kill, killed it. Yes. So let me let me love you as special to me. I really, really Dude, love love her on that. I, I totally forgot you did crazy on the Usher album. I forgot about that record. Yeah, well, I, I don't like I, I don't lo- like talking about that one. That's a did that was my first Diddy experience and it wasn't great. Really? And let's talk yeah. about it. Well here's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, in a nutshell, um, as much as I tried to not swing on my my debut with I'm Swinging to You and all that, mm-hmm. of course it was a big East well East Coast West Coast thing going on at that time, and and Diddy just had been just put in charge of that kid Usher, and and I was like, yo, this is how I hear this tune, and I did it really straight. Well, he didn't like it and and wiped it and had Chucky Chucky Thompson who was one of my good friends redo the whole track really, so that's mm. and so I never could listen to it because that's what happened to that. However, Usher called me recently after we had saw each other at that book tour, uh, LA's book thing. LA region, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yo, do you still have a copy of that old way we did it? I was like, hell yeah. Usher's like, let me get a copy of that. We want to do that in my live show. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that made me feel better. And Babyface liked my version better, by the way, too, He at the time when it happened. I got to check that. You got to send me that. Oh, yeah. yeah it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I love that first Usher album. I mean, he was, it's totally not age appropriate. He shouldn't have been singing mm-hmm. that shit at 12, however old he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I do I mean, like that record. A, thank um, you, Matt, so, so when they do New Beginning, mm-hmm. where's, what's your status with the, with the group at that time? I come out just like we did on the first album. I come out to New York. I'm hanging out. I'm working. We had, you know, in all the spots, hitting all the studios. Quad, we recorded half of it at Quad, you know, where Tupac right. was. We was, it, was, it was. It was very energetic and good. I thought it was going good. I knew something was going to be weird when their management kept saying, hey, 
they got to write. They have to write on mm. these songs. They have to write. Here we go. And so I was like, okay, you know, if they can contribute, I'm not mad at it. Of course, mm-hmm. if you can write, write, right? Well, mm-hmm. nothing really ever materialized from the writing. And so I didn't think nothing else about it. Well, the record gets done. And then all of a sudden, none of my joints are singles. And I'm like, uh-oh, this has been a, co- a concentrated effort to sideline me, really, because they just probably didn't. They were like, yo, he made all the money because he wrote and produced. Because he wrote and produced it, yep. Yeah, so they was like, they just tried to side. But they knew they couldn't take me off the record because they needed my sound. But at the same time, they didn't release anything that I did as a single. Did they write on any of those other songs that you didn't do? I don't think so. And especially certainly not the ones that hit. Like, you're the one. Oh, they, maybe they wrote you're on the you're one. the one. Did they write on that? I don't know. But I know All Star was responsible for killing it. And But see, All Star was a part of the original success via the remixes. Mm-hmm. So to me, that made sense. That was a continuation. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the end of the day, same subject themes. You're the one. It's the same thing. It's the subject of I'm so into you. It's the same subject again. You feel me? So even this time around with the proven history, like there's not a, a more of a, a, a bonding between you guys. It's just strictly yeah. business and... That's such, that's a, such a great like, question. hey, let's not ruin a good formula because there's nothing harder than doing your second album and having to prove that. Good point. You know. Yeah. No, it went the exact other way, unbeknownst to me. I had no idea mm. that it was so hostile towards me until it happened. And when you call the album New Beginning, you're trying to tell me something. Damn. So how long wow. did that circle back take? Because y'all are, you know, y'all are back to good, beautiful relationships. Oh, been good for a long, long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, but then, but they left that particular manager was the, they was, was the reason for all the drama, it sounds like. Between ah. them, between me, between them, between the, the messenger. Labels, it was bad, yeah. yeah. So it took nah, a- I was so happy to see y'all get back together for Rain, man. Like when y'all, when they did the, uh, yeah, the release some tension. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was so, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. SCP is back with Brian. But you know Jesus what? Christ. It wasn't because I chose to. Really? At that moment, you a little backstory quest, yes? Yes, this is what we do. <laughs> All right, peep this. So I was so hurt by the whole not releasing songs like Fine Time that people mm-hmm. consider should have been a single, the ballad, or What's It Gonna Be? Um, that's what I'm here for. I got that's- five solid joints on that album that I thought at least one mm-hmm. or two of them could have been singles, and so do most of the fans. So I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm done with them. I'm moving on. Uh, so Brandy, I was focusing on Brandy because Sylvia Rohn reached out and gave her and Merlin Bob, I know you guys remember that name, Merlin Bob. Yep, I know Merlin, I met Merlin. They they reached out and gave me a production deal, a song deal rather, and they're like, yo, we're gonna do like a five song deal with you. Can you give us some joints? I'm like, hell yeah. And I was like, but I wanna work on Brandy though. And she's not really, you know, she was on Atlantic. She wasn't on East West, she's Mm -hmm. on Atlantic. So she said, well, that's in our family, word. So I wrote three joints. One's called Don't Change, one's called Rain, and the other one was a, a third one that I have I, I never titled it. It was just a third joint. So look, so I let them hear them. They're like, yo, that's crazy. You need to get in with Brandy right away. So I'm in New York. They put me in daddy's house, the studio. And we mm-hmm. go in there and we about to cut it. And I remember distinctly, uh, Kelly Price was working with Diddy in one room. Uh, D'Angeletti might've been in another room. And I was in this room that me and Brandy were supposed to potentially start cutting rain in. I remember playing Rain for Diddy. He said, eh, it's all right. And then, what? <laughs> yeah. wow. And then, and then, you know, just, and I'm still not over my, not my cra- ah. I'm still not over my crazy thing. You oh, know? crazy. I'm about to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, I'm going to get him with this one. But then he's like, eh. Anyway, so I get a phone call and it's 
this A&R guy, Anthony Morgan at RCA. He's like, yo, uh, check this out, B. Um, please don't cut that on Brandy. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And I was like, what? He's like, yo, man, that's an SWV joint. So it had circulated. In the in the in the you know somehow it's circulated. Uh, yo, I'm, you the most circulating talked about <laughs> songwriter producer <laughs> inside not, no. man of pre social media industry. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. So Pete, so then the next the ripple effect, man. Wow, that's amazing. It, it's crazy, right? But when Rodney Jerkins janitors and A and R's <laughs> listen, when Rodney Jerkins took over the Janet, I mean uh, the uh, the uh, Brandy record, Brandy. he and this is the Boy Is Mine album, so. Yeah. I think, and Rodney will tell you this, he loves Rain as well, but somebody, I don't know who got it in whose ear, but it ended up being, we're not going to cut this on Brandy. Yeah. So then he all made of a sudden, his own ring, which is Angel in Disguise. Okay. So <laughs> Pete, <laughs> come on, come on. So Pete, on. so now Pete, I see Pete, it. Can you see? So look at. So I'm, 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 I'm cool because Sylvia and them already broke me off for these songs. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. mm. that was just a demo that I just got paid a couple hundred thousand for. Awesome. And so then I said to Anthony Morgan the next day, you know what? Okay, I'm here. We can cut it on. We can cut it on SWV. And that's how that got on there. Wow. So during the so during that session, were y'all? What was it like with you and Coco? Nice to each other. The girls? Cordial. Yeah. Were y'all still cool, or how was it? Now understand this. By this time, a whole new paradigm shift had happened. Missy and Timberland are a part of the equation now. Because yeah, they yeah. come out with their they stuff. Can oh, we they get had can we join? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So booty call uh, soundtrack. Absolutely. And so Missy called me to be to hang out on the set of the the rain video. Which ironic, both these songs I'm doing have to do with water and rain. I went and hung mm-hmm. out and because because she had cameos at the end of that video. Remember, seven oh two is in there. Taj yep. and Lily oh, are in there. Yeah. Oh. Guess who's not in there? Coco, Missy, Missy, and Coco were beefing at the time over some bullshit. Wow. What? Yeah, some some stupid shit. Probably some ego shit. But anyway, so Coco was not invited to the video of that Missy Elliott video, which I was. So I went and hung out. We recorded the vocals to the backgrounds to rain on Taj and Lily at Electric Ladyland. Hello. A very important place. Ah. Sure did. Okay. And then we did, I did uh, Coco's lead vocal at Right Track. Remember Right Track? Yeah, I know Right Track. Yeah. Yep. So, so those those are my two days of recording in New York. Wait, and in there's between, no male voice. Wait, uh, that's me. That's me from the demo. Let your love just follow yes! me. Yes, I always yeah. wanted to know who that was. That's me. That's me, of course. All right. <laughs> and that's also you singing. Because uh, uh, I never thought I'd find Absolutely. someone to love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah, on my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't forget about always on my mind. Tribute to my hero Charlie Wilson and the Gap Band Learning for your love. Turning all day. Yeah. And I did it unabashedly, very clearly. And by the way, just for this, while we're in this moment, Quest, I made sure after I saw, you know, your Charlie thing on, on, the, on, the, on the other show, I was like, yo, I felt like he lightweight kind of came after me on Week. Somebody, I made a lot of money on Week, and, and it was basically, he thought it was another record. Truth of the matter, right. I never thought about that record. I was only thinking about Wednesday Lover, the one me and Fontaine are talking about. And, and so, uh, but, I, but he, but it got back to him that I said that, and he called me, and he, and he, and he thanked me. He's like, yo, bro, no. He, he said this. You are a gap band by your damn self. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. Wow. High praise. High praise. Huge, right? And so I was like, man, I love you. So, And I got this joint for him called Better Man right now. But if he does it, woo, it's crazy, Quest. Wait till, Quest, we got to start sharing 
Okay, yeah. So once Rain came out and uh, and Missing Them came out, now we're in a new whole paradigm shift. Uh, thank God I got to play Rain for Timbaland right in the studio as he was mixing down. Are you that somebody? Mm. Holy shit! Wow. So in the studio, I walked in. I kept hearing don't 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 but man, that, and so again, that was a moment in time I will <sighs> never forget. Um, and I played it for Tim though, and you know what he said? Because his ears are incredible. He went, I played him my demo version versus the album version. And he's like, Your demo version sounds better, bro. And I said, wow. I know, right? He said, Man, the drums are fatter. <laughs> I, I, he just got it right away. And guess who else was sitting there? Jimmy Douglas. So I was like, I know yes. Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> God, Jimmy Douglas. You feel me? So, I mean, yo, man, he's the greatest dude ever. Ever. I love Jimmy, man. Me too, man. God, man. Crazy. But anyway, yeah. that's, you know, that's how rain happened. Look how the ripple effect of rain has been so crazy. Yeah. I can't even tell you. The, like, pulling me the back. Chingy, the pulling me back. Yeah. Man, that, come on, bro. That's my favorite Chingy Jam. It might be okay. my only Chingy Jam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did like one call away. I did like one call away. right now. I, I don't even know that one. One call away. It was with. Uh, it sounded like pulling Jason me back. I like that joke. Exactly. It was with uh with uh who was on the hook on that? I think Jay, well, Jason, Weaver. Jason Weaver. Okay. With Jason Weaver on the hook. Nice. Yeah, nice, that's, nice. That's nice. the two chingy jams, and that's yeah. about oh, where but it's not, y'all know we, it's out right now on Rick Ross, Summer Rain. Yes. It's out it right now. Oh shit, I gotta now you're gonna make me listen to Rick. Look up that one. That's right. right. So <laughs> can can I ask uh from the Pastoris point of view, how easy was it to to clear that? Yes. Very, very easy because at the time in 97, it wasn't a whole lot of people sampling Jocko or doing anything having to do with Jocko at all. So it was, it was very it's, easy. It's just weird because like I almost like, you know, there's some samples out there that are so quasi obscure that mm-hmm. you might be tempted to be like, I can get away with this. You know, it's crazy. I didn't, I didn't even get away with it, that. by the way. Let me say this. I did not sample it. Let's get yeah, that straight. You replayed it. It was replayed. No, no, I know that. Okay, I, okay. I know you interpret it. That's yeah. the thing. Like, when you're when you when you're creating something, like, you know, all the times, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll say that 80% so of so what I do, well, done it, yeah, but just like 80% of the output <laughs> I do usually starts with a sample. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. What was the first something? Yeah, I was like, what was that? What? Oh, oh no, I, I mean, I no, I'm not I'll, I'll, put, I'll tell you after we stop recording. Okay, but got it. Got yeah, it. I, I want to know, know that. That's one of my favorite. But what joints. I'm saying is, it'll start with a sample, and then I'll make the decision on whether or not I'm going to ride with it all the way out, or if mm-hmm. I'm going to freak it mm-hmm. so that no one knows what it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I I I dress it up, and then I take the sample away, and then blam, it's a it's a a song on its own. But Portrait of Tracy could be one of them things where it's like, yo, this is mad familiar. I mean, yes, you, you definitely stuck with the melody or whatnot. But it, in the beginning, did you definitely say, like, I'm going to make a joint to Portrait of Tracy? No. Or... And let me tell you this. I'm going to do this story right here. It's really quick. It's very quick. The only reason I even know about Jocko at all is because of Layla Hathaway. And so when mm. I was doing Let Me Love You, 
like you described with Janet and Jimmy and Terry, I went to her apartment. We hung out trying to get a vibe just to get between us, right? Energy. Mm-hmm. She pulled out all this vinyl. One of the vinyls was the Jocko debut, the black and white joint with Portia Yeah, the Tracy black and white with just him on the cover. Yeah. I was intrigued with the cover. So when I pulled it out and I saw that Herbie Hancock did the uh, the notes, I was like, oh my God. So when I started listening, listen, when that when Portrait of Tracy came on, it's my whole soul and spirit was just snatched yeah. and transformed, right? So I was like, oh my God. So when I went back to Sacramento, before I even did Let Me Love You, I did my homework. I went and bought that CD. So I just lived mm-hmm. with it. Now, when I heard it again, I listened to it. I was like, oh, that's crazy. When If I ever use that, it's going to be dope. And then forgot all about it. Mm. Four years later, 97, 96, whatever, but three years later, I'm in the shower. A hook comes to me in its full entirety. Never happened before in my life. A whole hook with the words and everything came to me as I was showering. Water's always involved in my shit. So uh, <laughs> I fucking, the whole uh, rain down on me, pledge of love is all like rain down. It just came to me. And I said, hold on, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In my mind, I heard it clear as day. I said, if that Jocko thing works with the, what this hook is, it's going to go together well. So I ran to my studio with a towel on, put the Jocko, <laughs> joint, put the Jocko joint on, and I took it as divine intervention when it was in the same key it was the same as key, I yeah. heard the damn. And when I went, I said it, I sung it out loud in my voice. Like, Ain't not on me. And I put the record on and went. And my hands went up. I turned on that MPC. I did that beat right then and there. That was an in a towel? Too? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. In a towel. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm doing this joint. Right now, I, don't, I didn't want to lose the feeling of what I felt. And I'm going to tell you something I sampled that I never told nobody in, in, in Rain. This is a beat. It ain't got nothing to do with no melody, nothing. There's a beat on Michael Jackson's solo album where he redoes Bill Withers' Use Me. So you got to check this out. This, it starts with a beat. Use Me or Ain't No Sunshine? I mean, Ain't No Sunshine. It's Ain't No oh, Sunshine. Yeah, drums. Ain't No Sunshine. At the beginning, I'm sorry. Ain't No yes, Sunshine. Dude. You know what I'm talking about. I'm drums. So when you go boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Right, right. So if you listen to Rain, there's a little tiny thing. I didn't want my beat to feel so stiff on the MPC, mm. right? So my beat is that little boom, oh, boom, wow. boom, is the drums. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. And that gives you that, see. that that real human feel in there. So when people try to recreate it on, on whatever devices that they have, mm-hmm. they, they, they forget that human element. They always miss it. That's yeah. probably James Gadsden or some damn body, but it's like, doom, boom, 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 you know what I mean? And I did that. And then I just played the keys. And then when I, I wanted to sample Jocko, but something told me no, because I didn't want to stretch it and have it sound all weird. So I called one of my uh, favorite uh, uh, bass and guitar players over to, to my house in Sacramento, and he just replayed what I wanted him to play. And I didn't want all the notes. I just said, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, every bass player worth a grain of salt, like, that's their entry into the world of jazz. You got to know yeah. Teen Town by Jocko, or Weather Report, and you got to know Portrait of Tracy. Damn right. Like, modern jazz. Like, that's just, Word. without but you, saying. But you know what? The first person that sampled it was Master P. Nigga, what? What's doing? Hold on. It's, yeah, called, it's called You Just Don't Know. And it was the only only like nine months later. 
And it's called, you just don't know what you did to me. It's I missed that one. And I missed this. that one. Well, Pete, this though, that, him doing that without getting permission, paid off my publishing debt it, to, to, wow. it, to, to Universal at the time. Way back in, wow. in by, by 2000, that record, because he sold 4 million albums. That was on his album called The Last Dawn. It was on the last song because that was the double CD. It was That's the right. Damn, I forgot about that record. <laughs> and he yes. sold four million albums. So way before Chingy, Master P did it. <laughs> Within a year of me putting it out, right? Paid off my whole, all of a sudden, I knew what I had gotten from them as an advance, like in 98. Mm-hmm. And then in 2000, it was already paid off. I was like, wow. wow. Yeah, and it was because of that. Okay, so, so one big, uh, so is it is it ever uh as you look back over your career is it ever a part i guess where you're at now where you still have the yearning like to be an artist that'd be all the just the the great things you've done as a producer is it still a part of you that yearns to just like put out your own music and still sing because you still got it i mean you still got the chops and you can still do it so not only that i am doing it and i finally got myself into a position financially where I can do it and do Mm -hmm. it right and do it right. So that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Like putting something together for you guys and the fans that love all the stuff that we talked about, plus stuff I'll be slipping out to certain people. Uh, I'm totally doing that. And with artists, I find that's what I just gave quest. That was those exclusives that he can play if he wants Mm -hmm. to, because it's a couple new artists on there or, and then some old me and Coco's on one. And then this new girl, Nefertiti Avani, is on another. She's a badass writer and a dope-ass singer. Check that out. Joint called a Do It Again. I think you guys okay. are going to appreciate what we got going. And I'm about to put out a lot of stuff that I wanted to do on other people that I never did do, like those other two songs that I did on Brandy. Yeah, yeah, I wanna, yeah. I want to put those out. So I'm trying to yeah, get yeah. – I'm, I'm just grabbing folks and putting them on joints, and I call it BAMS, Rare, Remixed, and Unreleased. I love it. You're going to put that Usher drawing nice. there too, right? I'm going to put yeah, the, the original Usher. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I'm going to put the new crazy with this new dude that's a crazy singer. Oh, right. That makes it's cheaper. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> it's a whole nother joint. Hey, hey, hey. It's trapped out. It's can, dope. It's dope. Can you talk about, uh, well, I know that there's not even, I, I won't say a resurgence, but you you worked on uh, with Drake. Well, like, what was that situation? How did that situation come to be? Came to be, wow, you know what's crazy? I learned about Toronto is that they're Detroit adjacent. And let me tell you something. The Toronto fans, as far as SWV goes, are voracious. They know their shit. Like, I was right. shocked to know that Noah, like, 40. Yeah, I was about to say 40, Noah 40 yeah. is Man, your biggest champion. Them, them dudes know their shit. So when they reached out, um, I have been working with DJ Khalil, who was one of my best friends here in LA. Yes. Thank, thank Shout God. Shout out to Khalil, man. Yeah, yeah, man. I love him to death. And he's the guy that said, man, just move to LA. Stop playing. Just move to LA. Because I was just kind of like not wanting to live in LA ever. Um, and But, but why by- is that? Because wouldn't it be easier for you to go to where the water well is? Proverbially speaking, you, you know what's funny? That would be true usually, but since I had made such a my own little lake in Sacramento, it was easier to just stay in it. You know what I mean? I was a right. small in my okay. own little. I created my own thing there, and big fishing upon. Right. And I was doing my okay. dance stuff. I was just doing my thing. But it's the it's the, when Chris Brown redid "She Ain't You" in mm. twenty eleven to right here, and it did so well. And then um, pulling me back in 08 
Mm-hmm. It was just all these little things kept telling me, man, maybe I do need to step my toe back into it just because I had, I had, this is what happened. I was over the fact that we couldn't seem to get any traction with black artists and that it seemed like that all the black stuff was getting done in white face. Let's talk right. about it. Right. And, 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 that, and that was frustrating and I was just over it. So I started doing not only was it being done in white face, it, it was being called pop and it wasn't being called was, R&B. Exactly. Words. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, right. and then you all of a sudden relegated our chart, all of a sudden looked like the gospel chart used to look. I mean, like, <laughs> right. What is wrong with you? Are y'all kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. And, and that somebody, was that. Uh, did so, somebody say white face? I'm right here. Ah! <laughs> 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 well, see, He's back. So all right, go ahead. I'm watching, Brian. I love it. Quest, you hear me though? So like, yeah, I, hear you. I, I dipped out. I mean, you know why? Because my mailbox money was so crazy. I could afford to. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't really tripping on mailbox what was happening. Money. That's the dream right there. That's, that phrase is amazing. My mailbox money. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Pulling me back was a big pop record. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you. Shout out to Jermaine Dupree. Shout out to Jermaine Dupree. And a big nod to Jermaine Dupree for real, because a lot of producers don't won't use some other producer stuff. That was huge mm-hmm. that he did that. And I want to thank him publicly right now. Thank you, Jermaine. Love you. Uh, and then, again, with Chris Brown, with She Ain't You, and that did well. So I, that was the year that I decided I'm going to move to L.A. That was 2011. I actually did it in 2012. And DJ Khalil is the person who received me with open arms and, 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 and you know, because he told a story about It's About Time album that brings me to tears. He was playing basketball thinking he was about to be a basketball star riding on the bus and they gave them promos out for free to a lot of people that he knew in the business. And he put that on as a, as a college basketball player, put it on the headphones mm-hmm. and on a bus. He said by the time he got that through playing at It's About Time, it changed his life. Mm. Wow. So that, and then the fact that Jeff Foreman is the one who mentored him and gave him his first gig in television doing music for, um, uh, what's that show? It's an entertainment tonight show called uh, The Other One. They're called the Insider. Access. 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 Yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Access. That's yeah. how Khalil became i got back in his life because jeff foreman uh was working with him you know what i mean so if you i don't know if you guys believe in divine stuff like that but to Mm me absolutely that 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 right there was it's a lot so long story short thank god i got in it khalil had already worked with uh drake so he knew what that camp was like and i was like man i want to get down i think 40 found me from somebody i don't know how he found me but he found me and he asked me if i had anything original and i did and that's how the song Nine got done. It's because I already had it. And I sent it to them. And him and Boy Wonder touched it up. And that's how that got on there. Turn a six to a nine now. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and that's how I ended up on Views. And as a result, I think the producer, 1985, who's amazing himself, uh, we started working. And that's how I ended up on um, the Khalid on the Way record. Mm. Oh, okay. and, and on that, if y'all listen, I'm just, I'm just doing my best Jimmy Jam imitation on the keys. <laughs> all of that all of that <laughs> the, the, key, the keys baby the, you know the, the, the nice roads chords you feel me yeah the everything i miss at home warmth and all that yes i'm trying to give it to it's you it's so crazy you, to see all this stuff come it. back around man and i'm hopefully bringing it i'm trying to you feel me like a quest what do you think about the uh, on the way record you familiar oh the college one no, I definitely yeah. fucks with it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, word. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if you look. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's that's how that happened. And oh, let's do a reverse of that. Nah, nigga, I ain't feeling that shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm hoping you nah, like what Khalid I Khalid is dope, though. Nah, Khalid is dope, though. That record he got, the, um, the talk record he got with uh, Disclosure. It's crazy. That shit hard yeah. as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. 
He don't do no whack shit. He, everything he does is cool. And you know what I'm saying? And, ta- and shout out to Tunji. Oh, yeah, Tunji. Yeah, shout out to Tunji. Yeah, Tunji. Yeah, Black. Yeah, Six Black. All yes, of that. Tunji, that's the homie over at uh at Keep Cool, Tunji and Josh, the homies. Absolutely. And I, and thank yeah. you, Tunji, for making sure that that all went down with 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 Khalid. I mean, I'm, so, I'm out here. Where you are right now, and you know, I guess as evidenced by especially with where we are in 2020, mm-hmm. and as we witnessed, uh especially with watching the Monica and Brandy mm. uh sort of uh resurgence. It's. I almost feel like there's finally there's respect with a K put on the name of really good R and B. Like, yeah. do you feel as though this is now? Did you was there ever a point where you felt like it was a little hopeless? Like, well, yeah, this doesn't exist anymore. Because you know, I'll go to the the iTunes charts and I'll be shocked that like, you know, like get lifted by by John Legend is still like the still in the top 10 of the R&B charts on <laughs> iTunes. Like, it'll wow. amaze you wow. how how deserted that, you know, yeah. those charts are right now. But, wow, you know, do you wish or envision a day where it's like, okay, we could bring the uh, art form of singing back? I think Bruno has has brought it a long way with records like, lucky for me, that's what I like. Where you, I mean, mm-hmm. them kind of joints... Uh, my people out here, uh, my guy Mars, uh, James yeah, fifteen hundred nothing, yeah, yeah, all, man. All the, shout out to all of the guys at fifteen hundred nothing, James Fonleroy, um, everybody like that. To me, understand where it comes from, mm. and so when Victoria they do, Monet is another Victoria one too, Monet, man. I don't know if you're... from Sacramento. Huh? Oh, Amazing. she is from Sacramento. Okay, absolutely, right, no. yeah, absolutely. So w- they get it; they totally get it, and so I think they're bringing it back around, and I'm just happen to be here, still here, doing it. And I'm just happy to be doing it. So now, to me, it's more exciting than ever to be doing it with the authenticity that I have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I still have the understanding of today's stuff and what it is. You know, I'm not one of them old heads that don't get it. You know what I mean? I get no, it all. No, man. I, you know, when we when we hung out, man, that was the thing I I was just so surprised by because you were you know a producer that like I grew up listening to. But yet we still listen to the same things. Absolutely. And like you had, you know, you had like donuts. And I was like, yeah. Dude, he was like, Absolutely. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, Please. I know, like you was, you know, so I, I think that was something that just the lesson I took from you right. um, from that from that meeting was just how important it is to, and I tell you know, artists all this all the time, you don't have to like new music, but you do, I think it's important to understand it understand Absolutely. why it works and understand Absolutely. why people gravitate to it. And that right. was something I always admired about you. Like you just worked. I mean, you was up on everything. Like you knew all the shit I was listening to. You was like, yeah, I got that. And you, know, yeah. Let's, yeah, you was right up on it, man. Absolutely. And I'm a DJ and that makes it, you have to know. I mean, how could you not know? You're, you're trying to spin. I mean, I'm, and I play dance. I play hip hop. I play house. Mm-hmm. Like you got to know what's what. I see your sets. Nah, you ain't seen that in my set. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, dude, I've seen your sets. Are you yes. saying, are you no, I know. I'll be fucking around, man. But I can never do what you do, but you know, I hey, love man. you. Nah, man, it's it's you being creative. That's everybody that you see DJing right now in the in the age of quarantining is is 
Oh, I you know, got you. Trying got to you. get the creative creative juices working. Word. No, it's, I love it. I love watching DJ sets online to you know yeah, to see too. what people are into. I'm going to do more play. because you guys are so damn intimidating. I'm like, oh fuck it, they go, they done done seven hours before I even get the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, I ain't seen you pop up on my live, man. What's going on? You know what's crazy? After so much, I started doing this album trying to get it ready for you guys. Okay. Okay. So I need to do focus, more of that. Focus on your work. work. Focus on your work. Yeah. Just focus shit. on the work. Focus yeah, on the work. But I'm I'm so happy just to even be in the conversation about stuff that we love like this, bro. Like and still here doing it. You feel me? That's my most important thing. I'm like, man, thank God I'm still here actually doing it. A hundred percent. You know, well, it's just we a thank blessing. You, we appreciate it. We thank you for coming on the show with us, man. This is Man, thank you guys. Yeah, we've been I'm trying like, to make this happen a long time. <laughs> yeah, I told you I was gonna get you, bro. Brian, you did, like, yes. like, man. So I ain't heard no call from like yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm working on it. Man. I'm on That's tour. What you were saying, <laughs> I love it. I love it. He had no smoke until... for me. He had no smoke for you. Oh, he, he had, had no smoke uh-uh. for me. Mm. <laughs> you or Dave, because we made it happen. I love you guys, man. Thank you so much. Love I hope you back, bro. We appreciate it. This is um a jump off of a whole lot of stuff to come. Once again. Brian Alexander Morgan, the great on Quest Love Supreme. On behalf of Laia, Sugar Steve, Fontigolo, unpaid bill somewhere out there in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Love you. Love you guys. Again, Thank Brian. you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.